This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. Today, we are talking about Dennis Smith Jr., the rumors floating around a possible trade in Dallas. Then we're going to jump into our wet boys. Shocker, James Harden's there. Then we are going to move into the Grizzlies. Are they going to be trading Marcus Gasol or Mike Conley? Should they be trading Marcus Gasol or uh, Mike Conley? We'll talk about that in discussion. They met with uh, the Grizzlies owner, so we'll see if anything uh, should come of that. And then we'll wrap it up with some Kevin Porter Jr. talk. The USC freshman was just recently suspended indefinitely uh, by the university and by the basketball team. So we'll see what comes of that and how it affects his draft stock. But before we do that, just check out patreon.com slash podcast. We were supposed to have our boy Eric on uh, this week, but unfortunately he got sick, so we'll have to reschedule for him. But you can be like Eric or like Jake, or any of the past and current patrons that we have. You can come onto a podcast, you can pick your topic, and you can tell us what you think on a podcast for, you know, about a podcast topic for about 20 to 30 minutes, however you feel, however you feel like ranting, or, wherever or the conversation on, takes us. You can come on a nice old Podrick, too. You, you, we love uh, our Podrick. Or a Podrick. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's jump into the Dennis Smith Jr. talk. If you're an NBA fan, you're getting the uh, Woj bump sent to your phone, you got notifications on, uh, you most likely saw his tweet uh, that, uh, or at least his report from him and Tim McMahon, uh, that on Monday that the Mavericks are escalating trade talks involving Dennis uh, Smith Jr. However, then there was you know talks about him being benched, and then the Mavs apparently fixing the relationship with Dennis mm-hmm. Smith Jr. and uh, him going to be coming back. Uh, Rick Carlisle did reach out to Dennis Smith Jr. So uh, Dennis Smith is frustrated. Rick Carlisle wants him to be back, but it also looks like the Mavericks are looking into moving him. So first off, let's just talk about Dennis Smith Jr. and the Mavericks. What is his future with the Dallas Mavericks? Ricky, I'm going to go to you first. I'm going to say traded, and the reason why is it's not complex, but I am on the I am on the belief that Luca and Dennis Smith cannot coexist, and Luca is obviously could be an All Star this year. I mean, his play is showing that he should be an All Star this year in my mind, and I just I think that you look at it and go, okay, we have our guy. They both need the ball in the same hands. I think that the Mavericks are going to choose Luka, and DSJ is going to be out of here sooner rather than later. Do you think it's a trade this year, though? Or do you think this is something, because he is still a rookie no, on his rookie deal? It'll, it'll be, if if I'm looking at it, at it it'll be off season. so maybe like a draft night trade, kind of like what we saw with the, um, kind of like T-Wolves-Bulls, but not that exact deal. Okay. Um, where we saw Zach Levine moved, right. but it was draft night. All right. Dave, what do you think about the future of Dennis Smith Jr. in Dallas? I think they're going to try to keep him. It looked really bad to start this year to have Dennis Smith and Luke out there. It just, the the, the flow of the offense, they didn't find that time. But I think that people wanting instant results out of this just because Luka is uh, performing, you know, very well really early in his career, they want to put the timeline to it. And it's like, no, the kid is 19. Let him play. Let them grow together. I think that moving him for anything other than basically a, a high first this year or another player on it early on his rookie contract would be a huge mistake. Obviously, the Mavs came out and were like, yeah, we're not going to move him unless we get value that we're you know expecting back. Mm-hmm. But no, he is in our future plans. And I think that 
you know, a couple weeks back, I think you called me out because I was ripping in a little bit heavy on Colin Sexton for, you know, his development time. And you compared his numbers very much to Dan Smith Jr.'s rookie year. And I think that Dan Smith's shot has improved a little bit. I think they just need to work and give them time to figure out how he works off ball better for this Mavs team. Because they're still not trying to win this year. Mm-hmm. Like, putting Dirk into a game basically means, hey, we're not trying to win this game. So, sorry, Dirk. I'm just... Top 10 power forward. There we go. I'm uh, <laughs> just trying to get that out of him. Mm. Uh, but no, I think that he has... He has not outworn his welcome. He's still very happy, like, clubhouse-wise. Everybody's friends with him. It's just... he Rumors got out. He feels betrayed. That's the biggest thing that I, I think that is the thing is like you you brought up that they cannot like coexist together i think mm-hmm. is the word you said yeah, that coexist. I, I disagree with that because they can coexist because they they are good friends you can mm-hmm. see them like bonding together that was one of the first things that luca did was bond with uh dennis yeah. jr so they are friends they are pals they have been very good teammates so this isn't anything I'm talking is, basketball no i know i was gonna get to that wise. i was gonna get yeah. to that I, I don't think they can work together on a basketball floor though um and it's you'd be stupid to not pick luca Doncic. In this situation, my idea, though, is that he should be traded this year. And it's not to do with anything because, oh, they don't want to win right now or anything like that. You have the highest value of them to trade them sooner rather than later. Because once you get to the end of that deal, then you're just you know trading a one year deal. Then these teams are worried about resigning them. Trade him now if you do have these feelings that he's not going to fit with Luca and will never fit with Luca or doesn't have the ability to. Yes, maybe he will be able to you know, fit his game to work more off-ball. I don't possibly see that happening, and I also think you're taking away his best abilities to do so. I also thought it was going to be flipped more. I thought Dennis was going to be having the ball in his hands more, more than Luka, and Luka would be working yeah. more off-screens. Obviously, that hasn't been the case so far because Luka, you know, talent just rises to the top. And so far, Luka's talent has rose to the top. We're talking about him in all-star categories. I think the biggest thing with Dennis Smith Jr., just for him as well, he does need to get out of Dallas, and it's mm-hmm. not because it's a toxic relationship or anything like that. He can be frustrated, but I don't think it's anything that um, is actually ill will. I think this is something that can be worked out. So if they do not move on from him, it's something that they do think they can fix, um, at least on the floor wise. Because I think off the floor, it's nothing mm-hmm. too major. Uh, this isn't like you know Jimmy Butler in Minnesota. This is more just you know something that is a tiff. It's something that they don't know how he's going to work. And maybe mm-hmm. they are looking on to him. So I think the biggest thing for them, you need to trade him this year if you do not think he will ever be a fit with Luka Doncic because you're just going to cash in on that trade value. This is the highest it's ever going to be, at least outside of his rookie year. Move on from him now if you do not think he's going to fit. Here's the problem, though. What's his true value? And the mm-hmm. reason why I say that is um, Kevin Pelton did a really nice article on ESPN where he kind of looked into this. And the interesting thing, he looks at top 10 picks – traded um, since 2012. Every single year except for 2015, um, we've had a top 10 pick traded where Thomas Robinson during his first year was traded. Anthony Bennett and Nick Stauskas, along with Noah Vonley and Chris Dunn, all traded after year one. Mm -hmm. Buddy Heald traded during year one. The thing you look at, though, Buddy Heald, he was in the DeMarcus Cousins deal that brought DeMarcus Cousins to the Pelicans. Chris Dunn, he was in the Zach Levine deal that brought Jimmy Butler to Minnesota. Anthony Bennett, same thing. He was in the K-Love deal. So with those, the team that was like trading DSJ would be like the Mavs are trying to get somebody. So that kind of muddies the water. But the other three, like Noah Vonley was traded along with Gerald um, Henderson for Nicholas Batum. Stauskas was traded in kind of like 
a littler deal with littler role players. And then Thomas Robinson was traded um, along with Francisco Garcia and Tyler Honeycutt for Patrick Patterson, Tony Douglas, and Cole Aldridge. The Stavskis deal, wasn't that from him going Kings to Sixers? Yes. That was... The one where they gave up a first-round pick? That, that was the one the, where right now it says... The Celtics um, pick? So it was Stauskas, Carl Landry, um, Jason Thompson, and a future first. Yeah. And the rights to swap the 16 and 17. Yeah. And all they got were Artuis, not even going to say the last name because I'm going to butcher they it. They were moving and another Luca. Yeah. Like, but it depends on like, what do the Mavericks want? Because what's the true value then? Because then Luca or not Luca, Nick Stauskas would be in his own category because that was in a cap dump deal. Yeah. The other ones have been four big stars. What should you be looking for if you're Dallas? I think the biggest thing that you should be looking for if you're Dallas is more players that can work off ball because the biggest thing that you have seen from Luka is his ability to get people involved. Mm -hmm. And you might look at the assist numbers and be like, well, I mean, those aren't that high. But a big thing that he I – think, I, I think I saw the stat somewhere and I might just be making it up. Uh, probably I'm just making it up. But I'm pretty sure he has one of like the higher rates – of assists that you know would be assists, but, but like you know, great passes, wide open shots, and they're just completely bricked. Yeah. And you look at Dennis with Junior. You look at Harrison Barnes. Like they haven't been extremely efficient. Wesley Matthews as well. Um, I mean, they haven't been massively efficient helping him out. So I mean, he has set up his opponent, uh, his teammates very well. And I think if you get a player that is just more elite at opening, making those shots uh, and making open shots, I think that's going to help him. Um, and also, I think providing him with somebody who is similar to J.J. Barea, because when you saw those two on the floor together, they were spectacular. That was when the Mavericks offense was at the best, when you had Doncic and Barea out on the floor. And I don't know if you're going to find another player like J.J. Barea exactly, because he is pretty damn unique in his own right, just being that small and being able to you know go to the basket, create, penetrate, um, and use his body in very differing ways. Um, he does have a very like crafty skill set to score in the NBA. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to find something like that, um, but I think the biggest thing that you're just going to be trying to find is, you know, players who are still in that same age range as Dennis Smith, but, you know, maybe they're not a good fit on their team. Dennis Smith's not a good fit on this team. Just get a change of scenery because we've seen change of scenery work for so many players before. I mean, the biggest thing is just you look at, you know, Victor Oladipo going from Oklahoma City to Indiana, turns into an all-star. I think Dennis Smith has that ability. I think he has that potential. Yeah. But... Again, I think he needs to probably get away from Dallas and be put into a spot where he can grow. I mean, maybe I think the immediate thought that everyone has is, you know, Frank is not doing well. Frank Nidokina is not doing well in New York. Dennis Smith is not doing well in Dallas. Literally drafted right one after the other in that draft. Why not flip and see if they, they can work you know, you know differently? Obviously, Frank's not an off-ball shooter in any way yet. Um, there's the hope that he will grow into one. But... What would that be like if you if you did make that swap? Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But Dave, if if you did make that swap, how do you like possibly Frank and Luca playing together, and then Dennis Smith um, over in New York? I think it would weirdly benefit everyone involved. I think it's a no loser trade, and I, I'm sure New York fans, no matter what I say, hate me for like <laughs> talking about New York. So just deal with it and move on. Well, I think they're getting the better player right away. I yeah, think I think yeah. you know Frank well, clearly has more potential, but Dennis Smith, I think, would straight up come in and. Put up 15 a night. Yeah, the the biggest frustration is that, you know, they've been taking stabs at the point guard position basically through, mm -hmm. like, the B-roll. They've got, you know, Moutier, Trey Burke, and Frank there right now. And by adding in, you know, swapping Frank for DSJ, 
I don't know if it's really, uh, it's not a game changer, but it would actually set them up for better success because from watching it, Moutier can put up stats, but he's not a better, he's not a good player. Like he just, you know, decent player, bad team, someone needs to score, he can do it. Yeah. He can facilitate a little, he can get some rebounds, but he's a backup point guard in the NBA. I see DSJ going in New York and like it works like perfect. I think you're right. I think he comes in, he, he can make an immediate impact. I don't think he's going to help them win a ton of games this year, but which seen, is good for New York. Which is good because they get to keep that pick. They keep closer to Zion. Exactly. So I think he will work really well with Knox and in the future, uh Kristoff's like I would love to see that matchup. And we all kind of joke about like rewriting history, just make that little just a little tweak. Mm-hmm. Because then we see Frank go back down to the Mavs. And there's a situation where you're not in the media spotlight. You're not gonna be expected to do a whole lot because you have Luca there right yeah. now. So he gets to develop under one of the best coaches in the league, gets to sit there and play off ball. Mm-hmm. And I know the funny thing is, is with him, he actually has played really well when he point guards, or I should say his best performances are when he is asked to point guard for his team. Even though they are inconsistent, he has that, you know, that spark is there. there there's the reason why people are still not giving up hope on him. Mm-hmm. Super young kid. I love the timeline for it because he and Luke are both so young. So I, I think it's a win-win. The, the potentials there to, you know, tag on a pick here or there to make things work out or if you know Noah Vonley wants mm-hmm. to get moved I think he would be an excellent addition uh I would be happy I would be so happy as a Mavs fan to pick up Noah Vonley mm-hmm. as well as Frank on that deal because I think Frank like you said not is performing much worse than DSJ at this point in this season uh, or up to this point in their career so yeah. I, I think, think the, yeah. the biggest thing with that would just be with Frank I think I think or let me just go back to Dennis Smith sure. just real quick because I think people love him because you saw what he was in college and you mm-hmm. see the athleticism and he has an incredible highlight tape and you always yeah. thought that he had that ability to be Russell Westbrook, right? So we're um, hoping. But I think the biggest thing that I haven't seen from Dennis Smith Jr. over the past two years that is concerning me is the fact that you know you can be a great athlete, you can be that next level athlete. But you're not going to be a great NBA player unless you have those other intangibles, those things that actually make you a great NBA player. Because mm-hmm. you can't just be an athlete in this sport and get through. I can't tell you the great players or the all-star players who are just athletes. You need to have that extreme skill. And you look at Luca. I mean, Luca's pretty much the exact opposite. He doesn't yeah. have extreme athleticism, but he's just so skilled as a basketball player. And I think with Frank, you see those skills defensively. And that's something that is going to help him stay in the league. With Dennis Smith... If he has an injury and he's not able to keep it up, I don't know what skills are keeping him in the league. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest concern that I have. So that may be hurting his trade value. So let's well, go away from a little from the Frank stuff because I, mean, I think that's a little more of a pipe dream. When, from, what have you seen from Dennis Smith Jr. as a basketball player that you like? See, when it comes to that, I think that we're almost a little bit too close to be talking about that because he's a guy entering year what two. What do you mean too close? Like, let's like not, early? like what you too said early. where it was like, oh, well, he might not be like out of the, like he might be out of the league. He's only entering year two. Like, no, I'm of saying, course you want I'm him. I'm saying like if he gets in, if he gets injured yeah. and that athleticism goes down, okay. then you get closer to him being out of the league. Okay. I That's thought you were talking about saying. like, no, oh, no. if you can't no, like no. develop more skills, then, but I, like you I, expect if he, him if to. If he stays healthy, mm-hmm. I don't see him being out of the league anytime soon. I just, for me, I almost feel like, what if it's just as simple as a change of scenery? Because like I mm-hmm. think to Dallas, and I could be wrong, think to their last few draft picks like before Luka. 
Have there been any that like scream out towards like this is a guy that they drafted and homegrown and this was the one like I can't think of one recently um, that has kind of been like that. And this is our guy. I just think with Dennis Smith, it's a change of scenery. And the two teams that I immediately thought of when I saw the tweet were Phoenix and Orlando. My only problem is Phoenix. You talk about how you can't coexist. Like I said, you can't coexist with Luca because both of them need the ball in their hand. Is he going to be able to coexist with Devin Booker, who I know, like we've talked about before, Devin Booker doesn't want to play the point. He wants a true point there, but can be ball dominant in himself. Could he step in there and be like, hey, I'll be your ball dominant guy, and then that doesn't happen. And then with Orlando, I look at the contracts and I go, oh, my God, Dallas would have to take on like a $10 million contract and have to give away like, yes, they're lower contracts, but they would have to give away more players yeah. just to get and somebody from Orlando. The thing, too, is with those Orlando trades, like, immediately people are just mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, trade Isaac, trade Bamba, or something like that. But don't right you away. want them? Huh? Like, doesn't Orlando fans want them, that though? they will move those guys. <laughs> Can I just, yeah. just go back to the mm-hmm. draft? Orlando had the opportunity to take Dennis Smith Jr. They yeah. didn't. Mm-hmm. Why would they trade John, Jonathan Isaac for Dennis Smith Jr.? They didn't want him when they had the opportunity to take him. It's Why like, would they trade him right it's now? It's like Smith Think for people. Frank well, 2.0. That's, that's the point is Frank will you know, or, or bring up that question. <laughs> the Smith – well, but the thing that I think that is now mm-hmm. is just – like that's just strict change of scenery. Is like, you know, they both needed a point guard. Oh, we screwed up. Let's flop. I mean, like, this is the the Orlando Magic going in thinking they had the opportunity to dra- draft Jonathan Isaac. I don't think we've seen anything, you know, that should mean that he w- shouldn't have been taken there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're looking at it and it's like, yes, Orlando needs a point guard right now, but you were basing this team off the wingspan, the versatility defensively that you're going to have in the future with Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba. Yeah. Why would you go away from that? Mm-hmm. that? That's my biggest thing. I think the Frank Dennis thing is just a little bit of like, oh, we we screwed up. Like, literally, there's one behind yeah. the other. Let's just flip them, see what happens. Um, the Isaac thing, though, it's just like that was. I think there was. I think they picked sixth, mm-hmm. and then uh, Dallas didn't go till nine. I think. What and then was New York and no, ten? Or were they eight? Eight. eight. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I just don't see the reason why, you know. And Dallas didn't have the opportunity to take Frank, so that's another thing too. Is like so maybe they do did still, it were at least yeah. I mean, we were. I I know I was mocking that. Frank would have gone to Dallas because mm-hmm. I thought I thought Mark Cuban had made some comments pre-draft yeah. about him. So, but well, I also thought that Dennis Smith Jr. with his athleticism, with his highlight ability, oh yeah, him yeah. in the Garden would have been f- absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, you were right. It's the Magic had six, they took Isaac. Knicks had eight, took Frank, and then nine, the Mavericks took Dennis Smith. And who went seven? Was it seven? Was Markkinen? Yeah. That was the T Wolves deal. So worth. Sucks so smart. <laughs> One was Fultz, two was Lonzo, mm-hmm. three was Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. four was Josh Jackson, mm-hmm. oof, five was De'Aaron Fox, mm-hmm. six was Jonathan well, that, I still remember that draft. Who was number Josh, 10? It was a year oh. ago. Are you He's seriously? It was like, two years ago. A uh, 10? He's on Portland. Yeah. It's, oh, it was uh, Zach Collins. Zach Collins. Collins. And then 11, I'm not going to go through all I say, this. This <laughs> is the game we play it. during dinner usually. Ale- 11 is Dave's favorite player. It was Miles Bridges. No. no. Was it? No, no, think about what boys. I'm Malik Monk. Yeah, yeah. the moist the one moist. himself. Uh, Bridges was last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, uh, I got the right team. Yeah. Josh Jackson, though. Horrible. Let Not me, great, but Suns. Let me throw out looking this. Looking for a point guard. It's Josh funny. Jackson available. It's funny you say that. Moved. My trade machine I have up, Dennis, Dennis Smith and Brunson 
for Josh Jackson? Fuck no. Hell no. Hell no. Uh, Josh mean, Jackson has been much worse than Dennis Smith Jr. Josh Jackson Fuck to the no. Ellie Okabo, a second for Dennis Smith and uh, Brokoff. Why is Brokoff on the team? Because isn't he like a 28 year old rookie? Um, he old, but, but his contract is dirt cheap. So, so. Okabo. Okbo, Josh Jackson, and Josh a Jackson in a second? Yep. I don't hate that. But also, like... Because you still got, you know, two more years after this year for Josh Jackson. You've got the entirety of Ellie Okobo's contract, mm-hmm. which the thing we loved about him was he was a scoring guard from the outside. Yeah. Happy to take shots. He can pass. He can facilitate. He's I mean, pretty athletic, too. I, I like what and that like, could give them, because if they're not 100% attached to Harrison Barnes moving mm-hmm. forward, his contract still obviously has next year, but then you know they could move on if Josh Jackson can nail down a shot a little bit more consistently. It gives them another option. My biggest thing with that is just Josh Jackson has never shown the ability to hit from the outside in the NBA. Not and, consistently. And, and we see that like in college he wasn't extremely consistent. I think he was a 37% shooter from three. But low volume, um, yeah. Back in college. And then also you look at his actual shot, and it was broken. Yeah. He, he did not have a correct shooting form uh, back in college. Um, he hit some big shots every now and then, but he was not known as like a dead eye. Yeah, no, he, point we, we, we had him pegged as a slasher and a defensive guy, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But you know, the second half of last year, he was putting up like I think it was like seventeen four and just under two. Yeah, uh, which was pretty good. I mean, I think everybody that was the like, oh, th- this is the guy we drafted for. That's why he's gonna live up. And then this year, obviously, they've struggled. He's struggled to produce in the starting lineup. Uh, obviously, they have a very crowded wing position, and TJ Warren's scoring is just like. Can't pass that up. Uh, so they moved Jackson to the bench, and honestly, he's found a better role coming off the bench for them, and he is able to get volume shots because their starting lineup is so shot volume heavy. So like when he comes into the game, he can try to generate some offense. He's had a couple good nights here and there. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not done with him. He's still a good defensive player at times. So I think that defensively, he could be a guy no matter what. Offensively, hit or miss, but. Worst case scenario, you know, he is a wing prospect for your future, and you get that uh, point guard prospect that I think a lot of us were very high on. Needs a lot of development time, but that's why you have Jalen Brunson, who, you know, I know he hurt, well, I he's mean, hurt but, like, this way you've got a, a pair of young point well, guards to move forward with. And real quick, too, with the Josh Jackson stuff, he, yeah. he's had 12 games as a starter, 34 as a, as a bench player, uh, 11 points, four four and a half rebounds, three 3.3 assists as a starter, 9 points, 3.8 rebounds and then 1.9 uh, assists as a uh, uh, reserve. But the biggest thing is the, the the percentages: 34% from the field as a starter, 15% from three as a uh, as a starter, Jesus. 44% from the field as a, a bench player, 39% from three yeah. as as a starter, and then also offensive rating of 74 as a starter and uh, 93 as a, as a bench player. So yeah. clearly there is an improvement there. Thank the only thing numbers. the okay. only thing I'm thinking of is. And I want to make maybe one change to your deal. Sure. If you're Dallas, do you want to get Okobo and trade for a backup point guard that you're going to develop? Or is Dallas going to be in the mindset of like, hey, you know what? Because the salaries are similar, let's see if we can get like a Crawford into the deal. His contract's up at the end Mm -hmm. of the year. Let's go after free agents or a free because, agent to play with Luca because instead of Okaba. What is that one point five million dollars going to do for you? Could mean I, anything. I, I, don't I don't think know. it's. I, I would rather. I'm more intrigued by Okaba because you see what they Dallas Mavericks have been able to do. But I'm saying, what would Dallas like better? That's what I'm Dallas, saying. I was getting into that. Would, would Dallas want to go with free well, agents? That's what I'm saying. Is mm-hmm. what what does that one point five do for your team? 
So I don't think it's going to be that crazy. And you look at mm-hmm. Okubo and what the Dallas Mavericks have been able to do historically with foreign point guards. I was going to mm-hmm. say foreign guards. <laughs> uh, point guards uh, like Rodrigo's uh, Bo- 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 mm-hmm. Bobois. And yep. then you also see uh, J.J. Barea and his ability as well. Um, what they've been able to do under Rick Carlisle in this system has been absolutely fantastic. These guys have been, you know, phenomenal players. Obviously, Bobo's uh, been out of the league for a while now, but when he was there, I mean, he had three stretches before he got injured, I think three straight years, where he was near an all-star uh, level player. And, and they then, also had that guy like Steve Nash for a bit. Yeah, but he didn't really develop under Carlisle. <laughs> I know. He was, he was a maverick, but he wasn't also Carlisle. Also, I, I don't think he's... He played not, 24 through 29 there, so I mean... He, he got better as the age, though, hundred percent. Yeah, no, but I'm saying like he, he Carl didn't come in until I think like 2007. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was already in he Phoenix was out, by that yep. point. Um, but my thing too is with like I know uh, with uh, what was his name? It's also Steve Nash is Canadian. He's not really I'm, foreign. Yeah, foreign I'm saying enough. more like I'm, Euro- saying I'm more seeing European foreign point guards uh, on the. Would mask. you say Andrew Wiggins is foreign? Yes. Like, eh. Maple I'm saying Jordan. more like foreign. Like his nickname is Maple the, Jordan. Yeah, but Andrew Whatever. Wiggins played college basketball. I, I don't say care. He's, he's from Canada. He's he's not a U.S. national. He's in the he's in the he's in the you know what's it called? He's a college. He's, North North college he's, he's in the North continent. American. Uh, anyways, I I just think that if I was the Dallas Mavericks, I just mm-hmm. talked about getting a smaller point guard who's crafty offensively, who has great handles, which I've, I've seen from Okubo. Uh, he can shoot from the outside. I think he has that ability to develop uh, a driving game too. I think that would be a perfect point guard mm-hmm. that you could play with Luka Doncic. Um, so I would love that deal if that that is if, if that was the deal proposed by the Suns. Just, now I don't know if they're going to give up to it because that's two young players mm-hmm. for one young player, well, and, and that's usually why balance out too well. Also, you look at it, and this can play either way. Like, yeah, I'll take Okubo because I'll have enough anyways. After this year, the only players under contract if they trade Dennis Smith are Luka, Jalen Brunson. You maybe get Harrison Barnes and Dwight Powell because of player ops. Yeah, and Harrison then, mostly um, will opt in. Burkhoff. Like, that's it. Those are the only guys right now. Oh, and Ray Spaulding are the only ones under contract well, for next year. And that's what to sign with them. Well, and that's that's one thing that's uh, huge. Maybe Luca does affect that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe if Dirk comes back, and you know, obviously you don't want him for his play, but Dirk as a presence. Would be interesting. For, put put I mean, him put him as a player coach. Put him even know, if even if but, Dirk actually like retires, that's five yeah. million that's off the books. So you can I would use. rather he retires. But, but is he got a two year deal? No, he's up at the end of the year. That's what I'm saying. You could always resign him. Yeah, so you don't. can give him like a just don't. a million. I'm just not don't. saying it's it's Dirk. Dirk's gonna retire coach. when Dirk wants to. He could be a coach. He could be a front office guy. He could be a goodwill person. Not, I don't care what I'm he does. He's not playing basketball. Free agency wise, yeah. If Jerk is in the locker room, I think that is a plus. If Luca's in that locker room, that's definitely a plus. I feel like, I mean, also you talk about, you know, why would you need mm-hmm. that cap space then? Because I mean, clearly they have that cap well, space. And you have twenty four, I think, coming off from DeAndre Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, has only got like one point five or something like that. Um, then Wes Math is eighteen. I think it. Al- it also depends. What oh, if yeah. they look at it and go, "Hey, we're gonna have Jalen Brunson. He's already a young guy. Let's get a cheap veteran that we can have under him, so we're not." So young at that point guard position next to Luca. Well, I don't think it's a problem being young at that point guard position, and I, I think you know right now if they don't get rid of Dennis Smith Jr., they're still mm-hmm. going to be young at that point guard position. Yeah. So I don't think it's it's incredibly you know too uh, dangerous not to have you know you uh, you know veterans at that position because obviously Berea is going to be huge. We don't know when mm-hmm. he's going to come back. Um, I don't think. They're but yet get again, rid of he's him. 
up at the end of the year. They could resign. They're going to resign him. Yeah, they, he's he, not a guy. He that's is friendly to the organization. Yeah. he'll be back. He's, I mean, we he's want to float for point member. guards. Ricky Rubio, just toss that. Thing. Rubio, and, and I think that could be a guy who, who does go over. I mean, like you look at just the history of you know what he's played on. I mean, he hasn't played on big markets. I don't know if Ricky Rubio is a big market guy exactly. Um, Dallas, I know, is a large market in the realm of the usa but at least for basketball it's not a yeah. huge market um so i don't think he'd be naturally uh totally turned off by dallas so that would be an interesting one but then again like does that mean luca plays off ball more because ricky rubio doesn't play off ball he has much. with donovan mitchell like that's a nice thing is these past two mm-hmm. years he's gotten used to it and he's played better so i i think that i, I know i'm just tossing in a year yeah. just to toss the year because that mm-hmm. was your you know mm-hmm. argument but I, I think that they're in a position where they could go and blow a bunch of money in free agency, but I just don't know who would sign with them by choice. The mm-hmm. one intriguing thing, and I, I'm going to hate myself for saying it out loud, it's like a player like Boogie could absolutely sign there. Yeah. I could see Mark Cuban being like, That's this better than guy what I was gonna do, and I was going to troll. This guy's going to bring attention to my team. Mm-hmm. He's a great big. He can pass from the low post. I can see him work. Pick and roll, pick and pop with uh, Luca, like mm-hmm. two big bodies. Oh, hey, Ricky, would you no, then, no, 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 would you then resign DeAndre pause, Jordan? Pause. No. no, no, you would not. No, um, he's been horrible. Um, the shell of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you uh, real quick just go back to when we we're doing the uh, free agency signings mm-hmm. and where Demarcus Cousins should sign, and then just pull up where I say he should sign with the Dallas Mavericks, <laughs> and then Dave being like, "Oh, you shouldn't give a max contract to uh, Demarcus Cousins because of his injury. You know how he's going to bounce back." <laughs> and I'm saying someone should pay him a max contract, and it clearly well, was people were willing to. He's like, "No, I'm going to go already. take a ring." Uh, no, so they had no offers for a max contract. That's what he said. But it wasn't max, but it was cl- like they offered him over 20 there mil. There was no max contracts, so I'm going to get a ring. But it was over 20 mil. It might have been just over 20 so mil. So I think now nobody has a problem offering a max contract to We watched Marcus him Cousins. play for 15 minutes, and we're like, that like, man needs to get paid. Damn good. Uh, <laughs> so just go back to that and just say uh, like a year ago when I said he should sign with the Dallas Mavericks because it's true. It's well, goddamn true that he should. There's a good reason he it did this year. It was a two-year deal, $9 million each. That's huh? what I have here. So there you go. From I who? think here from the Mavericks because this is the article that says how Cousins fell through the cracks. So um, yeah, they're Mavericks to Warriors. Eighteen mil. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, idiots. I win. He gets to go get a ring, and He's then he can go ring. get a giant paycheck from potentially Dallas mm-hmm. and it, play with Luca. You may, well, you think if they gave him like fifteen mil a year, he would have signed? No. Like if it was. I guess it depends. Like because a one if it was one? two yeah, I think a one on one would have done it. Because that way if he played well for the second half of this year, he could go get paid. And if not, he could just lean back on that. Could you have second year could 15 you mil? Imagine having a nine million dollar difference between DeAndre Jordan and Demarcus Cousins. Uh, and have uh, uh, Insane. <laughs> insane. Uh what were you gonna go? With? Oh, I was gonna troll. I was gonna okay. say, what if Kyrie and Durant come to town? Wide open cap state. <laughs> that, uh, that, that closed out the ring. We're talking about Dennis Smith Jr. Let's let's bring this back. Um, I, I just don't know how Dennis is going to work with this team, and I think that personally, I think you should move on from him. Because I, I go ball. He is he's a no go. I I have not seen it from him. I don't think he's a shooter. I don't think he's going to be ever a player that takes over six threes a game. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who's going to be working in that type of system. I see him. His best abilities are using his athleticism, using his ability to create space, using his quickness, and trying to get to the lane. I have not seen him also attack the lane uh, much at, at, at all. He's not a guy that's you know consistently going to the line. He's going to the line about three times throughout his career uh, per game, about 2.7 per game. Uh, he's going to the line. And even then, when he's going there, he's only shooting 70%. Yeah. So I think his biggest thing 
is that he needs to work on his handles, work on his ability to abuse pick and rolls, and then also get stronger. Because if he's able to do those things, he's going to attack the bucket more, he's going to draw contact more, and he's going to be able to finish stronger, and then also you're shooting one because uh, you're going to the line for and ones. And, and I think his biggest thing that he needs to do is become just a better pick and roll player just so he can add that next level to his that that addition to his athleticism because like we were talking earlier i have not seen anything that shows that next level player uh of him i've never seen anything outside of an athlete in dennis smith jr um and i I don't know what that is and i think the biggest thing for his body his athleticism would become to to become a pick and roll abuser um so to get a high post uh to get a high pick try to attack the lane you know try to maneuver try to draw contact and just consistently go to the line um, and just play like, you know, James Harden, but, you know, just in a different way, um, obviously, because he's not going to be shooting mid-rangers, he's not going to be shooting 17 threes in the game, but at least the driving style uh, of a James Harden. Obviously, that's one of the best players in the league. You want to rep- uh, replicate him. Uh, but I think that's the way he would make his money, is at least early on in his career, using the pick and roll to his advantage, using that athleticism, trying to blow by people, um, or even like a young Derrick Rose. Because, I mean, D. Rose was something that, you know, again— next level athlete he didn't have that ability right away to be a, a facilitator um but it was attacking the bucket going yeah. hard drawing contact and then that obviously opened up everything else uh for the bulls so that's my personal opinion i think they should trade him as soon as possible get the most back from him. if you can get two young players like josh jackson and ellie okobo where's it hurting you uh, and that's my question uh you're i mean you're, you don't know if you don't know if ellie will ever be an nba quality starter mm-hmm. and that's fair He's a young kid. It's yeah. all potential right now. Uh, I, I liked what I saw. I think it would be worth taking a stab at. And Josh Jackson again, you know, if well, if he ever finds consistency, absolutely <laughs> worth. But if he doesn't, he's a net negative on the court. And I don't know if you can keep playing him because you have guys like Dorian Finley-Smith who might outplay your number four overall pick. That's fine, and I, I understand. So where it's it's here. a risk with the Okobo thing. Is I also don't know if Dennis Smith is a starter and like a starter quality right now in the NBA. He Ooh. has he has a higher potential p- potential than Okobo, one hundred percent. But right now, I mean, where would you put Dennis Smith Jr. in the top thirty point guards? I mean, it's it's a great thing we did a ranking of top thirty point guards going but, into the year. But I think you not even after <laughs> after seeing this year. Do you think he's he, I mean Colin Sexton or him? Like, do you think that they're comparable at this point? Mm, I would rather take Colin Sexton. Really? Because I think I've seen, and maybe it's just because he's on a worse team. Um, I've I was going to say, because I've the seen... ball's in his hand, he doesn't have Kevin Love out there. I think if you interchange Colin Sexton for Dan Smith Jr. on that Cavs team this year, be at the exact same place. I to think me, they're that... almost identical players, except I know Colin Sexton can play better defense. That's one thing, too. And I think it's it's more about his 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 mentality. And I think that's one thing that separates him and Dennis Smith Jr. I've never seen Dennis Smith be as aggressive as Colin Sexton is, yeah. the reason why they call him the young bull. Uh, he's gone to the line a little bit more, about three times per game, a little like .2 more than than uh, than uh, Dennis Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one thing that you do see is just his his tenacity is up more because he has probably less athleticism, but he is aggressive. Um, and that's one thing that De'Aaron Fox has shown, that he's extremely aggressive. And yeah. that's, I, I would say that Colin Sexton is more like uh, a De'Aaron Fox than he is uh, a Dennis Smith Jr. Because Darren, Darren Fox has shown that aggressiveness and he's shown that ability to grow. And we see what Darren Fox's jump was from year one to year two, it, adding a shot, which is incredible. We're so uh, spoiled we with we young point guards. We, yeah, we didn't see we didn't see that with Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. And, and the question is why? I don't I don't think he's you know, he's gotten better at shooting, less talented, but not to the level of Darren Fox. 
Like no, De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox, Fox made to the a jump, jump yeah. a next level. But that jump you never expect from a player. So it's like th- there's nothing that I've seen so far that differentiates Dennis Smith from another athletic point guard. Like mm-hmm. just a, just a plain old athletic point guard. There's nothing next level to his game. He's gotten better in some ways, but he also hasn't improved too much to my eyes. That's my thoughts. Uh, Ricky, final thoughts. Final thought is, you know who else could make a trade for Dennis Smith? Oh. The Pistons. Yeah, but who are they giving up? Well, and that's the thing. Because nobody's I've, taking Reggie Jackson's ass. Well, I've seen in the comment section some people throw out, like, Luke Kennard's name. Um, Kennard. But, Kennard, like, you on. can, like, Dennis Smith for Kennard works up nicely. Like, it works out straight up because the thing that's nice with the Pistons is they have a Boban trade exception that is the exact amount that can be used for the exact amount of Dennis Smith's contract. So they can maybe out of the teams that we mentioned, they might be a team that can work a trade easier because of flexibility with not just players that Dallas wants, but money is too. Like but contracts. how does how does Luke Kennard help the Dallas Mavericks? I know he's a two guard who can shoot from the outside. Isn't that what Sean? Isn't that what Sean mentioned? Somebody we're, who can play try- off ball and doesn't need the ball in their hand. But like, ideally, you still want a point. That's the thing with yeah. these. And I mean, they do have on their roster. Like, if you want to go after an Ish Smith, I like think, you can. But I that's not ideal. It, it, yeah. What you, we'd rather do is get someone who could replace mm-hmm. Harrison Barnes if he leaves for some stupid reason, um, or at least just to play with Luca later on, um, or to at least play that that one guard position. Because I think getting another. Two guard, unless he's like an elite mm-hmm. elite shooter, uh, I, I don't see. I that. mean, you already have unless Mike you with... being the overpriced streaky shooter that he is, mm-hmm. and you got him for this year, and then he's gone after. Thankfully, but I mean, Kennard Allison, but is that too much for the Pistons to give up for Dennis Smith? No, no, yeah. So you can so go Kennard, using Dennis Smith you can go Kennard Ellison, and those could be maybe two players the Mavs can use better. I want to say just because with the whole coexisting thing we talked about mm-hmm. than they could with Dennis Smith. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. But uh, yeah. let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. What do you think about Dennis Smith Jr.'s future with the Dallas Mavericks? Do you think it's going to be uh, a bright one that he's going to stick around Dallas, or do you think it's going to be something that we uh, draw down a lot uh, and that he's going to be traded? Let us know down in the comments below. But let's move into the next topic, and that's our favorite weekly segment called Wet Boys. Before we do that real quick, check out twitter.com slash mostfavoritepodcast. I think we're a little over 500 followers, closing in on 600. And if you ever want to talk to us throughout the week, that's going to be the best way to do so. But we're going to talk about the dampest of dudes, the soggiest of shooters, the moistest of men, the driest of dudes this week. These are guys that had yeah. historic performances, uh, absolutely popped off throughout the past week. Um, you know, Crazy stat lines uh, galore, uh, impressive buzzer-beating shots. Uh, this is the segment where we showcase those players. Ricky Wimmer, I'm not going to you first because we have a first first. Mm -hmm. We have the first time we have ever given out a dry dude on the wet boy counter. We usually give a one to acknowledge you've become a wet boy. Well, now someone's getting a negative. Dave, give us your wet boy or your dry dude. Dry dude. Sir, this is a first. This is absolutely first. This is history in the making. You are here for it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm calling out the refs. I'm calling out specifically Eric Lewis, the NBA referee crew chief. From this past week's game, Warriors, Clippers. Look, this was a grand event. This was the return of Boogie. This is five All-Stars starting for a team. Never been done before. Not since, I think, the way back Celtics. But the point being, this was the event of basically the regular season. We all want to see how this works out. 
And guess what? The refs just didn't want the spotlight taken from them. So in a 48-minute game, they hit 54 fouls, <laughs> five technicals. Like, Boogie got a double tech, or Boogie got two separate technicals. And normally that means you get thrown out of a game, but because one of them was him doing a pull-up on the rim, he thankfully was able to stay in the game. <laughs> but this completely murdered the flow of the game. The only upside to this was it was Boogie's return, and that, that basically meant this could not be quashed. He followed out, of course. Of course he did. In, like, you know, in record time, I think it was like 16 minutes or something, incredibly short, but he had a great game. Doesn't matter because the ref's just trying to ruin it. I, I'm just, I'm fed up, boys. This is... We, we've complained all year uh, on the side about refing, like the James Harden calls, uh, just refs destroying the flow of game. 54 fouls in 48 minutes is inexcusable. I will say it's not the most ever. Um, most personal fouls, though, in one quarter was 19 back in 1982. Uh, then there was also both teams one quarter, 32. Dallas at Denver. Uh, Dallas had 19. Denver had 13 uh, in a 1982 game. It was the same one with the, the one quarter one. Uh, one half, two, there was 30 fouls. As well, but that's absolutely crazy. Uh, most personal fouls was 122 uh, back in 1949. Yeah. But it was—it's absurd, um, especially the five technicals too. Especially the one—I'm so sick of this year with mm-hmm. the whole hanging on the rim calls. I know that you know Draymond did do a pull up uh, on the one but, that he was I mean, called you could, for. You could argue it's balancing himself because his legs swung but all the way. Up. Isn't the rule technically that if you do pull up at all? Oh yeah. You get called for it. Yep. I just, do, but it's even outside of that one. Like if you're looking outside of the one that he had that pull up on, mm-hmm. there's plenty where it's just literally just a, a two handed, just straight up two handed yep. dunk. They did go up for their hold on for maybe two seconds, and they get called for attack. It's absurd what they've been calling, at least when it comes to technical fouls for hanging on the rim. Yeah, it's been an absolute joke. And and the amount of like just just little back talk that's like, oh no, technical. Like they gave a warning to both benches like, four minutes into the first quarter, basically saying, like, you've both been warned. It's like, holy sh... Like, come on, let the guys play. And it was it was a super fun environment. The crowd was going nuts. Everything was... Like, it was a great game, and they tried to ruin it. So will, that is why Dry Dude. I will say, too, I mean, Clipper games have been getting crazy. You had this yeah. one, you had the last time Golden State was in L- mm-hmm. LAC where Draymond and, and Boogie were fighting... Uh, 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 Draymond and Durant were yelling at each other. Yeah. And then you had the game, like, two years ago or whatever where the Clippers were ready to fight somebody in the other locker room. Uh, so some crazy shit's going on when the uh, Clippers are playing. Uh, but Ricky... That was Chris Paul, and I remember yeah. that because <laughs> the game is zone. Who are they playing? It was... Uh, was it Boston? Was I it think so, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was because the okay. game is zones thing... Or was, was it? it no, no. It was when uh, CP3 was on the Houston Rockets. You're right. It was, it was his first Rockets time coming back. back. Yeah. And That's then like, Blake wanted to fight him That's or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was talks of the hidden tunnel, right? Yeah, yeah. the hidden tunnel. <laughs> uh, but Ricky, get us back on track with Wet Boys. Who's your Wet Boy? No, I mean, mine's easy. I wear shoes every week. Steph Curry. I mean, this guy went off. I almost said this boy, but this guy is a man. And, he's a and he went off this week. 48 points is highest that he had in one game. This guy's the best shooter that we've seen. I don't think I'm saying anything new from that, but just going off this week and helping the Warriors go on that win streak that they've been on. Well, and last week, too, we were t- we were at uh, dinner talking about mm-hmm. how he's now third yeah. all-time in most three-pointers made uh, in an NBA career, closing in on uh, on number two in uh, good old Reggie Miller. So we'll see, uh, you know, I think it's probably two years, maybe even a year. Uh, until Steph, it just depends on his health, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Watch you say that, and Steph Allen. goes, "Hold my beer." Sean. He's gonna make five hundred threes <laughs> next year. Yeah. Watch out. Uh, so shout out to Steph, best three point shooter of all time. Uh, let's move now to mine. I think this is a first for this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, second net, I be- no third net because Karis had one. Uh, but I think he might have had one last year. 
I'm going to double check. Uh, no, looks like this is his first ever wet boy. Uh, so we're going to go to Brooklyn. We're going to go to D'Angelo Russell. D'Lo having himself a game, 28 points per game, 7 assists, a steal a game, 53% from the field, 53% from three, also hitting a game winner against Orlando. Absolutely clutch, ice in his veins. When D'Lo's on, I mean, he's one of the better scorers in the NBA. It's weird to say that because, I mean, he gets picked, and it's never like he's, like, it's just, it's so on and off with him. He's never consistent enough where, like, when he has those games, it's not, like, extremely newsworthy because he's never hitting like over 50 but when he has those games like he's one of the most dominant players uh at least offensively when it comes to the guard position uh and it's incredible to see and and in this game you didn't mention that the the stat of the night for me was 19 consecutive points Mm -hmm. from d'angelo russell basically willing them to win where the the nets offense was stagnant at that point and they weren't doing anything and he's like i got it just put on my back i'm gonna bring the ball off the court and i'm just gonna do it yeah and it was awesome and i will say one one thing too is just like you see, starting to see a little bit of the consistency uh, around Christmas time. Uh, since Harris uh, went down, yeah. Well, no, not, <laughs> not even that. I mean, that, that has a well, lot to do with it. But, but I mean, you look at you know December sixteenth because he didn't go down at that point. He was already well out because Harris went out in about November. Yeah, uh, like December sixteenth, December eighteenth, thirty two points, twenty two points, and then thirteen and three. Uh, but ever since the twenty third, eighteen, sixteen, thirty three, twenty two, twenty three, twenty eight, had a game of five. Uh, but then 23, 24, 34, 10, 40. Um, over those past about 12 games, he's averaged 23 points consecutively, uh, 48% from the field, 40% from three. Um, the one thing that I do just want to see a little bit more from him is just more of a, a, a kind of a, an attacking game. I want to see him go to the bucket. I want to see him get fouled a little bit more, uh, only averaging about two attempts from the line of game. I want to yeah. see that go up a little bit because, I mean, he does have a fairly strong body. Um, I don't know if it's like, you know James Harden level. He's not. He doesn't have massive strength, but I think he can at least use some of his speed um, to at least draw some fouls when he's going to the hole. Um, and you know maybe even expand his game a little bit because if he starts attacking, driving a little bit more, it's going to open up the, the outside shot for his teammates, but also it's going to open up the outside shots for himself. And you might see those you know three point two uh, shots, uh, three made per game, and uh, eight. Uh, threes attempted per game uh, go from like four and he's just shooting 50% from three and that'd be absolutely <laughs> deadly. Yeah. Um, so uh, shout out to D'Angelo Russell and then the other guy that we're giving wet boy to we said this last week um, until he just is not worthy we are not going to give him wet boy. Uh, James Harden 51 points per game over the past three games. 51 points! Uh, 51 points, nine total rebounds, seven assists over the past three games. 44%, 93% from the, the free throw line uh, and that's on 17 makes per game and 19 <laughs> attempts insane for James I mean, Harden. for me i'm almost at the point where it's like let's just shut wet boys down james harden's got it this it's year james we'll be award. back next no. year i see i, I was <laughs> I, I was thinking about that because like it is i think it's james harden's most likely to be wet boy of the year I, I don't like, see why how he, he's not going to be able to be unless like right now like steph curry because out of the guys that are in second with three steph's the only one that i would like him Derek rose nad Steph's the only one that can string no. together some weeks. Like, 80. 80 80's injured, though. He's injured for two eh, weeks. I like, still think he's got the ability. Unless LeBron comes back and just goes, I'm a god. Like, he I could. am a god, he but could. I'm going to go god mode now, Super Saiyan, and then just lead the Lakers into the playoffs again. Like, other than, other than that, like, I think James Harden's going to run Harden's away with Harden's got it this six year. right now? Yeah. Right? Okay, you up And second him? place has three. Do we just yeah. completely disrespecting uh, Giannis? He's not a one. No, Giannis has got one. He's got one. He's got one. <laughs> <laughs> tied with Nikola Vucevic. He's um, tied with a ton of people. Yeah, Thad Young too. Um, I I don't know. It's just it's just what he's been doing is 
incredible. It's we haven't seen it in our lifetime. I think that's the most incredible thing is we're well, at a point maybe with Kobe. Some people would take the six. He surpassed Kobe. Yeah, I, I'll say it. Like I, I was Kobe stand for a long time, but like he surpassed what Kobe's done. He's doing stuff that only Wilt has done, and Wilt's numbers are written in crayons because no one freaking can believe it. Like. I know it happened. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, the legitimacy of the league at the time and the level of competition, the pace of the game, there's a lot of asterisks to throw around Wilt's numbers, whereas James Harden's numbers are like, Jesus Christ, this man lives at the foul line, and if you don't like watching that, you don't like his basketball. I just, yeah, I, I the I, thing I, I hate incredible. about it is he kills the flow of games. Yeah. That, like, no, unless it's like he's going, like, off and not going to the line, but when does that happen? That's my thing is, like, when, I, when I'm thinking of a basketball player and how you can be the best basketball player, yeah. I want you to go to the line. But when I'm watching a basketball game, don't go to the line. Fuck that. <laughs> Especially late in the game. I'm so sick of it. Like, two minutes turned into, like, 20 minutes. Like, come on. Like, let's uh, get yeah. this going. Yeah. Uh, that's my only gripe with James Harden is that he, he Just, does kill the, the pace But of what play. he's doing carrying a team this year is incredible. Like, we, mm-hmm. we talk about what, uh, Russ, year one of his triple-double, um, yeah. and how that was just so incredible to watch. And now he's, you know, halfway through year three, averaging a triple-double again, and nobody cares. Because mm-hmm. it's like, his impact on the team is lessened. Mm-hmm. In yeah. my mind, that's, well, that's plus, what... Well, you look at how... It already happened. Like, well, everything he's done it second. two years in a row, and now yeah. he's going to do it a third year. But I mean, but, it was so special the first time, because, oh my god, we've never seen it before. Well, we've seen it, oh, oh dog, but... Uh, yeah. But, like, we. Yeah. We, have, we weren't alive. That's what I'm saying. So, like, James Harden being able to carry a team, like he is right now with Chris Paul out, Clint Capella mm-hmm. hurt, like... He is willing the Rockets team through games, and that's just, I think it's incredible. It adds another level to this because, mm-hmm. what was it? The amount of unassisted uh, shots he takes. I think it was like, just, no, no, shots he made. I think he made like near 50 consecutive shots made without an assist. Yeah, I mean, it's, or something like that. It's, it's incredible. And he's so. getting some help from Kenneth Reed, of all people. And they might be uh, Future, yeah. moving on from uh, Carmelo soon, but we'll, we'll monitor that and, and the, keep an eye out. And but. the last thing that I find funny is Levitard brought this up was mm-hmm. like, He's like, so we're all just going to forget about the game this week where he played Orlando on one of 17 from three, right? Like, we're going to for- forget mm-hmm. that Still this is the points. James Harden that can go cold from three, and that's why they lost a playoff series. We'll just say it was his homage to game seven. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that, yeah, he, going one of 17 is horrible. It's bad. But, like, <laughs> you look again, who he's playing with, mm-hmm. like, I can't really blame him for taking that many shots. And, you know, sometimes nights you just don't have it. I mean, you're playing with P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, uh, Gerald Green, James Ennis, Marquise Chris got 10 minutes. So that means I don't know, you man. Know you're For a while, I saw Mello in a gym. He was shooting some some stationary three-pointers, and he was making them. He ain't playing with a Rockets jersey on. <laughs> no, he's not. So, I mean, it's just it's incredible yeah. to just see what James Harden's been doing. Uh, let's move now just quickly to the Fantasy League. 87 points. We are in fifth place. Haven't had haven't had to make a move in a while. Um, still rocking Derek White, Noah Vonley, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Andre Drummond, Russell Westbrook, uh, Bielitsa, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Boogie is back. Uh, I guess that's the biggest change. Blake, Otto Porter Jr., Gary Harris, and Trey Young. That's our team. Uh, just making sure that got all. I got right. so I do have to update the uh, starters for everything like that. Um, but we'll go to the standings. We are in fifth place right now. Again, eighty-seven points. Uh, How far out of first are we? Grantham is 91, Super Hippo is 95, mm. Big Ballers 95 and a half, and still Kyle Craig at the top, Philadelphia 076ers 104, and he does have a stealthy, uh, healthy Steph back. Yeah, um, that's scary. Has Steph, so I think that was the big thing. No, I was going to throw out that, because I just looked at it, that's why is, the thing that blows my mind, and this is kind of like an over the season thing, mm-hmm. 
Mike, who does he's have... He's LeBron, I'm sorry. He's got um, Steph. At the beginning of the year when he was in first, like, Steph's playing great, Joe's playing great, Bobby and Zach were doing good, Zach Hart was doing good. Oh, look, he's in first place. And, like, I looked and I was like, wait, he's below us now? Yeah. Like, he's in seventh? Like, how yeah. does that happen? But, I mean... Depends on how your team plays. Like mm-hmm. that is just one. Players I look get hot. Like, players huh. get not. How goes? I'm sorry. Sixth. He's tied for sixth. Yeah. Uh, and let, well, seventh then teams pretty much. I mean, yeah. like he's in that seven yeah. range. Uh, just real quick, uh, just for the actual like roto things. Uh, field goals made. We are in fourth. Field goal percentage. We are not doing well. Uh, fifth from the bottom, I guess. Right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So 13, if 12, you're going for 11, the bottom, 10, nine. Fit, nine. Nine. Thank you. Uh, free throw percentage, we're actually going up. Uh, we are 10th. Mm-hmm. Three pointers made, we are fourth. Three point percentage, we are sixth. Rebounds, we are second. Assists, we are third. Steals, we are second. Blocks, we are one, two, three, four, five, six. We are tied for sixth. And then points, we are sixth. So, I mean, it's pretty decent. Just mm-hmm. got to get those points yeah. up, got to get those blocks up. And especially free throw percentage and field goal percentage um, are the big things with us. But I like seeing rebounds being second, assists being third, steals being second, and field goals maybe being fourth. I like that. The only thing that made me nervous is uh, when I was just scrolling through the NBA news, and it's like Andre Drummond enters con- concussion protocol. I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, he better not be out too long. We need him to get those rebounds. But Boogie. Boogie's we back. We do have Boogie's back, back, so it's fine. Uh, the only other thing that I would say is, uh, you know, any additions that we should, should we look into that you think Uh, should we get, should we get somebody who's a better field goal maker? I mean, like that's the biggest thing that's killing us right now is field goal percentage. So what we need is a shot taker. A shot taker who's making a deep, no, (laughs) Jesus Christ. I like the way you think. Um, I mean, should we get Rashad Holmes? He's making about like three buckets a game. He's hurt right now. Three buckets a game, 67%. Thomas Bryant, 30, uh, 3.7 field goals made at 66%. Yeah, I mean, we're still stuck basically uh, just under a month out, or just around a month out from Isaiah Thomas' return. So mm-hmm. a little too early to poach that. Yeah. Uh, do we want to pick up Kenneth Fareed? Think he's going to do anything in Houston? Mm. I mean, he's going to get minutes. He's going to so get wait, minutes. You're looking for field goals made, you said? We're field goal percentage. Oh, we don't okay. want to just get like so a guy who's making a field okay. goal game because that's not going to affect too much. Um, I mean, because on here, this is 2020, like the whole year stats. D-Wade isn't shooting bad. How's he doing in his last few games, though? I don't know. The last few games, he hasn't been doing bad. It's going to help out our field goal percentage. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, we're going <laughs> to move on. We're going to get off this topic immediately. We're not picking up D-Wade. I don't care. We're not picking up D-Wade. Who will we drop? Who are we dropping for D-Wade? I don't know. No, yeah, we're not whoever you him. think that isn't, like, because look at it. He's overall a 43% shooter. That's not that good. It's, I mean, unless you're going to go after, like, Batum right now is the top one that they have on here. Unless I'm going to do just straight field goal percentage. But yeah, that's what like, we should guys, be doing. Yeah, but then I'm getting, like, guys that are shooting. That's why I was saying Thomas Bryant, Rashawn Holmes, where we're making, like, mm-hmm. three a game. So it's something decent. Yeah, a little bit of volume. Um, I don't even know where where can we see our team as a whole. Um, show stats. Here we go. Uh, 2019 season. Our field goal percentage is at. Um, it doesn't even say uh, totals. Averages totals. <laughs> what the fuck. Uh, it doesn't even say. 49, 46, 49, 43, 49, 41, 48, 51, 50, 
39. I mean, the the biggest people that are killing us is pretty much just Trey Young and yeah. kind of Russ. Yeah, Russ. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Ron- those are two chuckers that we're not going to drop them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We could probably drop Trey Young. <laughs> Trey Young's not good. We we get something for Trey Young. Yeah, I guess. All them assists. Yeah, and I mean, he did have 24 and 11. Yeah. Um. Damn, Trey Young had 10 rebounds? He's not a bad player. <laughs> what the Tra- fuck is Milwaukee doing letting up 10 rebounds to fucking Trey Young? Five foot five, Jesus uh, Christ. Point guard, yeah, I don't um, know. Anyways, that's going to do it for the fantasy break and the uh, the wet boys. And dry updates. dudes. And dry dude. And dry dude. So shout out to Dave for uh, pulling a, a I had to break good it dry out. dude. Uh, yeah, had to break it up, and it was a it was a good choice. But let's move into the next topic. Before we do so, check us out on iTunes. Search the Fast Break on iTunes. You'll find us. We got their orange logo with all thirty NBA teams, and should be the Fast Break. It's pretty easy to find. Uh, we are closing in on forty reviews. So if you want to go over there, give us a five star review. Type in a nice comment. We'd greatly appreciate it. It takes very very quickly to do so as well. But let's jump in, boys. We were talking about should the Grizzlies trade Mark Gasol and or Mike Conley? I think it's just going to be titled should the Grizzlies trade Mark Gasol and Mike Conley, but we'll figure it out uh, throughout this uh, throughout this topic. So, obviously the Grizzlies are on the downswing. Uh, mm-hmm. They started off pretty hot. They were in Someone the playoffs. Someone said downcline. Uh, yeah, I was, I was waiting for the downcline. <laughs> I was trying to say it. Uh, they, were, they, were, they started off in the playoffs to start the season. Marcus was playing fantastically. Uh, Mike Conley was at all-star level. Still hasn't dropped off too much from that. Uh, but since then, Marcus Saul's dropped off. This team's faced injuries. Uh, both Brooks have left. Uh, Dylan to injury. Marshawn to the Bulls and got waived. Uh, and it's just been bad recently in Memphis. And Marc Gasol and Mike Conley met with the ownership of the Grizzlies to discuss the Grizzlies' future. So immediately that brings up either the fact that the Grizzlies might get sold um, is mm-hmm. the biggest thing, uh, possible GM change in Chris Ballard, who is uh, a friend of the show, a guy that we have said should get fired on the show many of times, yep. uh, mostly coming from me, yep. and then finally a trade. So let's first work out that. Do we think it's about ownership change? Do we think it's about GM change, or do you think it's about confirming the future that Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol might get traded, Ricky? Oh, I'm going to say trade, because with this ownership, they've already shown me that if their jobs are on the line, they're going to get rid of whoever they can to save face. They already did it with Fizdale. Remember, it was the whole, ooh, Fizdale or Marcus Gasol, and now what? Two years later, we're already one talking year. about, well, one year later, that was already talking about trading Marcus all when I told them they shouldn't have gotten rid they got rid of the wrong guy basically so with me this question is easy yeah trade them both start all over blow it up like blow it up get your first round pick this year start all over from square one which would be getting a new GM too Dave my thing is looking at this I don't know if I, if I buy the whole like this is what you know ownership's done at least because yet yeah, last year was a different I think conversation because Marcus Gasol and Fisdale were you know fighting mm-hmm. obviously they had you know their own uh, beef and it was just pretty much one or the other and I don't think Fisdale was taking this team anywhere uh, with Gasol or without Gasol mm-hmm. um, so I think it was it wasn't too fine too bad of a change uh, but I, I do look at it and maybe it is time to just start clean not only with this roster but there's talks of the owner selling which obviously brings in the fact that this means Memphis might get moved. It's a possibility, at least. Um, 
do you think that's the biggest thing that's that's on the mind? Like, if if these two players get moved, before, you know, before you say if they are going to get moved, uh, if they do get moved, does that open this team up to getting sold and getting moved? Oh yeah, I think all three are on the table, one hundred percent. I think Memphis, for for as much as you don't want to watch a city lose a team, I think they are one of the least popular uh, TV markets as far as games go. I think that one of the biggest problems is you have to cap captivate people but also you're stuck in such a small market where you're not going to be a free agent like you're not going to easily pull in free agents due to that market size due to the city itself and memphis is an awesome city don't get me wrong but as a basketball town it is not so i think that yes you're up for relocation i think yes you should get a new gm i think this team needs to go in a new direction you've ridden out the end of grit and grind to the to the bare bones there's nothing left of it like we're watching worn down mark gasell at this point Mike Conley, who is not quite all there, but he's, he's, he's still a good player. Is he a $30 million player? I don't think so, but, you know, somebody might value his uh, contract for a couple of years. But, yeah, I think it's all on the table. I think this is a blow-it-up situation, and I'm looking at Seattle, I'm looking at Vegas, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, let's do this. Let's get a new GM. Let's move the team. This I don't would know if ownership the has to do something. second time they move, though. I like... Yeah. I miss Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I do, what, too. They moved 95 or 99, I think it was yeah. around there. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't know the season. I just remember Vancouver. The 2001-2002 was their first year in Memphis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember Vancouver, and I remember mm-hmm. their awesome green unis. And... Yeah, with the Grizzly jumping yep. out of yeah. the front. So, no, I think that it was just it was a failed experiment. Mm-hmm. It's okay to fail, well, NBA. I, you I, got I, two cities clamoring in I, the West. I will say that is true, and you won't have to realign. Because mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you'll realign the divisions, but that doesn't really matter too yeah. much. Both of them stay in the western side of the the the, the, uh, the country. Um, and I will say the Grizzlies fans at least have shown up. I mean, they're not dead last in attendance. Pistons no. are dead last, at least percentage-wise, when it comes to filling up the stadium uh, at, at 76.1%. Nets are at 79%. Timberwolves 79.7%. Hawks at 80%. Suns at 83 uh, Hornets at 841 Wizards at 851 And then Grizzlies at 857 So, you know, Memphis is showing up to these games, and this team isn't that good. So I will give the fans of Memphis credit. I think they are supporting the team as much as they can. But like you said, this is a smaller TV market, and there's not a lot to be made out of Memphis. Mm-hmm. Even when this team was great, you never thought of them as a true powerhouse to get a free agent, to, you know, really grow. They no, took a reclamation. Just a dark horse. Yeah, they took a reclamation pro- project in Zach Randolph. They hit on Mike Conley with the 10th pick. And then, you know, they got Marcus All in a trade for his brother Paul. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it's something that— which. You know, that trade, looking back on it at the time, didn't seem so fair, but over the years, well, it you know. it turned out being great because yeah. they got, you know, franchise center, defensive player of the year, Marcus All, and obviously the grit and grind led him to a, a great play. But even then, you know, you think of Memphis and you think of kind of a, uh, what's it called? Uh, you think of a gimmick. You think of grit and grind. You don't yeah. think of a, a great team, a powerhouse. You think of, you know, they had two great players, three great players, and Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, and and, and uh, uh, Marcus All, yep. and they weren't able to turn into anything. I think this kind of just says like, hey, I'm thinking about selling my my stakes because I think he's over 50% over. Uh, I want to say Rob Polinka because uh, it's very similar, but it's not Rob Polinka, <laughs> the GM of the, the Lakers. Um, but I just think it's something where it's like, I'm thinking about you know selling this team. Robert that, J. Para. Para. P-E-R-A. Um, and and I think this might lead to somebody coming in and, and swooping up this team. Uh, it'd be sad for the city of Memphis. It's a close you know town to us, um, not too not too far away. 
Um, but I think it does open up the the ability to trade Marcus All because you look at it, uh, 24.1 million this year. He's got a player option for 25.5. I don't think that's terrible. Obviously, he hasn't been super consistent this year, but the flashes are great. And if you take down his minutes just a little bit and you come, you know, push him off the bench, I think he'd be absolutely dominant because him going up against second units would be disgusting. You look at a team like you know Boston if they had the cash space to make that deal work. That certain would be Gordon Hayward that they're not using. Yeah, I mean, but then you take on another contract. Like Memphis then, loves hurt wings, right? <laughs> like, isn't that their jam? But then, like, you Chandler know, then you have Chandler Parsons and Gordon Hayward's contract, which just looks like absolutely. They're horrible. collecting injured white wings. Um, I don't know what you're talking and about. Then Mike Conley's on the books right now for thirty point five million uh, this year, thirty point two point five uh, next year, and he's got a player option for thirty five, thirty four point five uh, next year. So that uh, in twenty 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 one. Uh, so that one's going to be the worst one to move uh which one but he is a better player so ricky if one is going which one will go if i had to choose between mark and um mike Mike, i'm gonna go with mike and the reason being is (laughs) i feel like there's more ah, you know what it's a double-edged sword i'm gonna say that i'm gonna say mike because there's more i want to say use for a point guard and there's more teams out there that are point guard needy However, the double edge of it, Marcus Gasol has a player option for next year. So if you're somewhere where like, hey, he's going to hate it here, let's trade for him, and he'll not take the player op, and then look at how much money we have. Like if you're one of those teams trying to get some cap room, like let's say you're Washington, and you're like, we just want expiring contracts. Well, let's get Marcus Gasol for the last half of this year. He's going to hate being here. And then we get that almost $30 million off the books. That's where the two sides were. I would go Mike Mike Conley, not Mike Gasol. Mike Conley gets moved because a team like maybe Utah or a team like Detroit or a team that needs a point guard or could use a point guard might go after him because of what the skill set is in the NBA right now. My thing with Gasol... You know, possibly getting traded and then you know not liking it and not picking up his player option. The biggest thing with that to me would how just much money be, are you going to get after? Like with a new contract, like a, a team going to pay you? Well, what yeah, you that were that and injuries. Yeah, it's just because you know he has had injury issues before, and then if he does get injured, uh, there's no way he's not taking that. What are you saying? I got a spicy meatball for you. Throw it out. Uh, I think Mike Conley. I, I agree. Even though there's a lot of teams that have point guards out there that are decent. But I know a desperate team looking to improve this year, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. Hmm. They've got Nico Miritich, who I don't think they want to pay next year. Mm-hmm. I, I think his injuries and his uh, defensive weaknesses have led them to be like, you're good, we, we like you, but we've got Randall. We can't have you and Randall both on this team. So I think Nico Solomon Hill pick Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. And it works out. It does. So... How would you think that would work out, at least for New Orleans, then? Awesome. Be- because, obviously, we talked about Drew. We talked about what, how, he, yeah. how he played with Rajon. Exactly. What do you think that would take this to, to this team? Because when you see Drew and uh, good old AD out on the floor, they dominate. They're they're one of the best teams, at least when those two are on the floor. When they're off it, or I think one of them's off it, they are they drop from, like, you know, to, like, a negative 15 uh, net rating. I think they're, like, a plus 15 with both of them on there and then a negative 15 rating out there. What would Connolly do that would help this New Orleans Pelicans team? He does everything they want. He plays He plays pretty good defense still. I mean, I, I know the knock on him is his health as well, but, like, mm-hmm. I think he's still playing pretty good defense. Um, I think his shooting, well, not as good as everybody wants it to be, 
He's still a good shooter. He's still able to stretch the floor for this team. Gives them another guard in that backcourt who can defend one through three pretty well. So, like, he and Drew next to each other, guess what? It's like another, like, F you to the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> like, I would love to see that matchup again just, just for the jokes. To be like, oh, Portland Pelicans again. How's this one going to work out? That's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. It's going to hurt a lot. I think it helps them match up against teams like that. You know, I don't... I don't know that they could beat the Rockets, mm-hmm. but I think that adding Mike Conley to this team puts him in that conversation. Now, I know James Harden right now is in the hottest streak we've ever seen in our lifetime, but he won't be that way. I, I don't expect him to be playing you know, 50-plus points a night in, the, in playoffs. the playoffs. I think that Chris Paul, James Harden versus Mike Conley, Drew Holiday is a closer matchup than a lot of people expect because Anthony Davis just completely unbalances Clint Capella. Yes, he's good. But Clint Capella can't touch Anthony Davis. So I think that 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 three-man matchup versus the Rockets way in the favor of the Pelicans. They have depth on their side, which is not something you get to say often as a Pelicans fan. You have Drew, you have, uh, uh, not mm-hmm. Drew, you have Julius Randle off the bench, mm-hmm. or they can run with that uh, interesting starting lap. Randle at the 5, 80 at the 4. Yeah. Well, that's like I'm going to take your Western Conference team and raise you one. You know, it's a different one that I could also look at. What's Same that? situation, well, similar. They're in the pl- the one I'm looking at is in the playoffs right now. If it started today, Utah. Let's just we'll take Mike Conley. We'll give you Derek Favors. We'll give you Dante Exum. Where Exum hasn't performed well in Utah, in Memphis could be a change of scenery. Could be a good place for him to just get his mindset and maybe be the player that we thought he could be or make a good player in Memphis. And then Derek Favors could be a guy where it's like, hey, this now keeps Jaron Jackson at the four, and he could be a big, a big, a veteran big that you can play along with Jaron Jackson. And also Memphis would probably get like a 2020 first or a, not this year's first and next year's first that has like maybe a top 15, top 20 protection to it. Interesting. Why do you think that Utah needs to make I that just, move? Like, part of me looks at it where, first off, Ricky, like, Ricky Rubio's number one could be gone at the end of the year. So this could be a little bit of a preemptive, like, hey, if Ricky leaves, we still have a point guard to play with Donovan Mitchell. Second off, Mitchell needs help. Like, he does. And this is a team that was out of the playoffs. Now they're in the playoffs. Are they just going to be, hey, we're going to sit on our laurels. This is the team that Quinn Snyder can get into the playoffs. Or could they say, hey, Memphis ain't using them. We can use them and make a play, not playoff run, but get in the playoffs. And then once we get into the playoffs, all hold bars. Yeah, they, I mean, they, can happen. they beat OKC last year. And right now they'd be paired up against Denver, which, yes, Denver's been insane this year. Yes. But let's see what happens in the playoffs with a Denver team that's never been there before. Well, this collective unit hasn't been to the playoffs before. I, I think the thing with Utah is just. They're not a team that makes too many trades, mm-hmm. and especially adding someone who has that much money onto their contract, I don't know if that's going to be the best way to spend the limited salary that Utah is always playing with. Because I think the cap's like what near one twenty nine, hundred twenty nine million. I mean, so that means Conley's taken up like what about? I hate doing math on a podcast. Uh, thirty percent of your five. Yeah, he's got thirty mil this 25% year. Twenty five percent of your your salary cap. Something thirty like times four. But I mean, think about it though. You're getting rid 120. of twenty. That doesn't help me out. You're getting rid of the nine point six mil that Exum would be. Yeah. 
And then at the end of the year, like we already talked about in our first segment, Ricky Rubio is pro. Like, are we thinking he's going to stay in Utah? Like, there's a chance, but honestly, like, do you? Well, it's, honestly it's not think he's who's going to stay? stay. It's just your your Rubio's worth like twelve million right now. Fourteen point nine. Fourteen. So you're adding double that mm-hmm. uh, worth of salary. It's more about the salary for for Utah. It's not about who you can bring in. It's how can you keep depth on this team mm-hmm. and keep you under the salary cap. Because Favors is going to come off the books. Rubio is going to come off the books. Yes. And yeah, I don't but think favors, come... would, favors would be in this deal. I know, but I'm saying if you don't make this trade. Yeah. I'm just saying if you don't make this trade. Favors next um, year as well. Yeah. So he's 16. Is he a mm-hmm. deal? No, he's got two. Okay, yeah. my bad. Uh, so Favors would help at least with that. But yep. I, I just don't see – like they, 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 use their, they need to use their salary cap extremely well. And, and I think adding Conley, who's going to take up 25% of your cap – is going to be very detrimental to what you can do mm-hmm. with this team because you look at how many young players they do under do they do have under contract. Uh, how many guys that are just waiting for it to turn that corner? Exum was one of those guys. I um, mean, he obviously hurt his ankle uh, just when he finally got a spot. Hurt. Yeah, like and he even you know had some nice games there. He had like yeah. thirteen assists or like eleven in the, no, in the he, first he half. No, he plays well when he plays. Yeah, it's, it's just something that he has never turned that corner. I, just, I think he he needs to turn that corner. For with me. the young player comment, the only thing is. I'm not worried about it because right now Conley is under three years. His contract comes up the exact time that Donovan Mitchell's comes up. So my Conley comes up, okay, that's gone. We're going to pay Don Mitch with that money now. Right. My question for you would be, is timeline, is he in your timeline? For Mike Conley, the Utah Jazz. For the Jazz. Grizzlies or the Jazz? For the Jazz, I think Because that's a team so. where I'm like, you've got... Two great pieces in mm-hmm. uh, Gobert and Don Mitchell. Yeah. And I want to say that you should just sit on it and and That's build up because there, there's no way you're going to win against five All-Stars this mm-hmm. year. Next year, it's going to be a toss-up in the West. So maybe, I think maybe there's a chance next year that could be interesting, but the- then they would lack depth at the four. Uh, without mm-hmm. favors, I know everybody's, he's a small ball five skill set wise. Yeah. Uh, so they run like double wings out there, which, eh. Jay Crowder's done an okay job, but I wonder if this is a team where they should look at taking on a bad contract in a trade to try to get another pick or go after those kind of mid-range guys with some upside. See, I mean, because I, I don't, I don't foresee this team being a championship contender. I get what you're saying, and there's part of me that's like, yes, they could do that, and I'm not saying like, no, don't do that for no, sure, yeah. because that's an option. But like for me, what I think of what it's going to come down to is number mm-hmm. one. What would you feel more confident in? Bringing in a Mike Conley who you might know exactly what you're going to get from him or, okay, what lesser guys, lesser contract guys can I get in free agency and which one are you going to feel more confident in? If you're thinking, hey, I might be able to get a better player in Mike Conley and have to pay a little bit more money, then that may work. And the thing with giving up Derek Favors, if you're a playoff team – in our mock draft, Utah was at 11. They're going to be lower than that. If you look at where the playoff teams were, you've got guys in there like Jackson Hayes, who's a big, like Pascal, like um, Killian Tilly, like Jonte Porter. There are I mean, bigs Porter, there. Porter's the biggest thing. You, he's you the need one to look that's at, out. You don't need to look I mean, at fours. Yeah. I would say throw out Hayes because he's just another rim well, runner. And that's yeah. what, what I'm saying. Like, there are fives. fours and fives in five. that lower you draft. You have well, Gobert. Fine, there's bigs. There's that four. Those are there for you. And just because they're there in our mock draft, there might be ones that are a pick or two above that might fall there. Mm-hmm. 
and you can draft somebody at the four rather than saying we got to cling on to Derek Favors. My, my thing is just it's, it's not. No, no, it's, I know. My, my I thing is just like if you get rid of Favors, I think you should leverage that to just clear up cap space mm-hmm. and not to make a free agency move. Mm-hmm. Just to give yourself that much breathing room between that yourself and the cap space, because then when go, you go into next season, maybe you can take on you know if you're struggling, you can take on a bad contract to get you know draft picks, and you even load up again. Because I think this is a team like Utah, you're never seeing big free agents go there. You need to build through the draft. I don't think bringing in Mike Conley to eat up again 25 percent of your cap is an ethical way or a, a smart way to use your. Your, your, your salary cap and a, a very limited one as well. I mean, because like this isn't a team that's going to go over the luxury tax at all. Uh, this is not a team that's going to be putting in has has the ability to put in a ton of money. I just don't think using that limited space to bring in my Conley would be smart. But um, I get I, what you're saying. I don't want to stay on this topic. No, no. I, the last thing I want to last thing I want to say is I get what you're saying, but if you look at it, all of their contracts and Mike Conley fits this exactly. It's not about when it ends. It's not about when it ends. It's how much money he's making. That's that's I mean, what I'm saying. It's too much money. If you for don't how have to pay cap- someone right now, then I don't think it matters that much. If he's if his contract's going to end when Gobert's does, when Ingles does, when Don Mitch's does, like but, they all. But end why in the are same you paying year. him? And that's what Dave was saying too. You're not winning a championship because you with think him. that he not- can add to your team better than Exum and favors are. Like, I, but couldn't they just resign Rubio? Like that's, that's they not could resign Rubio, but I mean. That's kind of the defaultest answer of like you're not going to beat the Warriors, so don't make a move at all. But the I, thing is, is that if you you can <laughs> no, you, but can, you can prep yourself mm-hmm. for the future. And because like I have, said, next year there's a chance because no one knows what's going to happen with like 30 top free agents in the league. It's going to be mm-hmm. nuts. So maybe by having like kind of like yes, maybe mm-hmm. next year. But I think they overachieved last year. I think they overachieved their expectations, and I don't think they're as good of a team as they think they are this year. Yes, they went out and added Kyle Korver because they were dreadful from the outside mm-hmm. and. That's great that they're they're still making moves to try to position themselves better for the playoffs, but this is realistically a team that's not going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they make it to the second round. Your your two best players are 26 and 23, 22. I just looked up Donovan Mitchell's age, and I just totally forgot. I think he's 22 years old. Um, so your thing is, like, he's 22. So he's not going to hit his peak until five years, and Gobert is going to still be in his prime when, you know, Mitchell finally hits his peak. So I just don't think there's a reason to go all in now to possibly get rid of, you know, because if you take on Conley, there's less of an ability to take on more draft picks because you can, you know, take on salary cap, take on more draft picks, and then hedge for the future. I think that's what you need to do mm-hmm. is hedge for the future with these guys, and that's the biggest thing that I think you should yeah. do with your cal- your salary cap if you're if you are Utah, and they've done a very good job uh, over the past couple of years of doing that. You see, again, they brought in Darren Williams, they drafted him, Carlos Boozer, they drafted him, uh, Karolinko, they drafted them. They've consistently drafted the players that are on their team and consistently. How many make... are still there though? Like Darren Williams but, was. But that's gone. the thing is, they are traded. Carolinko gone. Car- Carlos Boozer was too be expensive. Fair. They mm-hmm. got rid of him. Darren Williams was too expensive. They had to get rid of him. Like that was the thing mm-hmm. with this team is that you have these windows. You have these <laughs> restrictions yeah. and windows yeah. that you you have to work in. So you have to go for it at certain spots, and you're going to do that through the draft and through through working up this young talent, and you're going to have to do that through. You know, not taking on twenty five, you know, thirty million dollars of Mike Conley. But and the pin is they would get a first round pick next year too from a Grizzlies team that is struggling. We'll see. Um, let's move on though, because I, I think another mm-hmm. team that'd be interesting is the Orlando Magic. Mike Conley going to the Orlando Magic. You get rid of that Mozgov, uh, uh contract, that Simmons contract, Jerry Grant. You bring in Conley. You also give up a first round pick if you are Orlando. That's going to be intriguing uh, for Memphis because I think this is something that you know Orlando. 
do you technically need more young guys? I don't think so. Go for it. Like, see what you can do in the playoffs. Like, finally get your team back into the playoffs, back into that action. You can, you know, in this East, that, you know, sixth down is not that, you know, dangerous at all. Um, I, I think you should just go after it. Mike Conley bringing a, a veteran presence to this team, I think that would be huge uh, for this team. I think that's one of the uh, trades that I liked, at least, because then you get Mozgov's deal off, you get Simmons' deal off, you get Jaron Grant's deal off, and there's no big contracts coming up for Orlando at all. And that's that's one thing that, like, this isn't a team that's ever getting free agents, but also this is a team that's kind of in a, a window where Aaron Gordon's already signed, but he signed for $21 million, and that's mm-hmm. going to go down over the couple of years, so it's going to make the salary cap a little bit easier. Um, you look at Evan Fournier, Evan Fournier is on a three-year deal. You have Vucevic. Like, they already have their veterans, uh, and that's why I like Conley going over there because, you again, you're just adding veterans to this team that has veterans and a nice mix of young guys. Um, and I think that's the, the spot that I would like the best for at least Conley just because you're you're shifting to a team that's kind of already built. You're not you know trying to force your way into a former playoff team. you got to swing right into it, and he could probably provide that boost uh, that this team needs at that point guard position. Uh, but – with Mike, uh, Marcus Gasol, like, mm-hmm. is there any ability that he's going to be getting traded this year? I have one. I don't know if it goes through. Well, Dave, what do you think? Because you've been quiet. I think that Gasol can get traded. His contract does make it a little bit of pain for a lot of teams who are in need of centers. Uh, but with that being said, he he is still had he still has enough talent, and because it is a one year contract at this point, right? One year, yes. Uh, one Gasol, year, yeah. Well, yeah. got the player. Right? So. I, th- I think there's definitely value out there. I would love to see him go to a playoff team to help them because that's where he belongs. Like He does his best work in the playoffs, and I would absolutely love to see him there. It's just the question of, is this Grizzlies team, or is this Grizzlies ownership going to recognize it's time to move on mm-hmm. with the walking foul and Jaron Jackson Jr. as the core of the franchise? I don't think they're. I think they're going to lock it down. I think they're going to mm-hmm. sit on his contract, they're going to sit on my colleagues, and they're just going to be dicks about it. Mm-hmm. So They're going to suffer and lose. I'm sorry, I mean, Memphis. Like I'm just, and you picked the middle of the playoffs. You I were all wanted you to be, well, and we saw this yeah. last year with Tyreek Evans. They started that they did so not make this move. So well, yeah. So just to start off, like last year, Mike Conley healthy, Gasol healthy, yeah, Tyreek Evans healthy. They're they're great. First twenty games, they look, they look like gangbusters. They're they're going out there. They're gonna be a playoff team for sure. And then injury struck. I get it. That happens. This year, you look great to start the season again. Mm-hmm. Mike Conley. Exceeding expectations for his recovery time. His shot was a little off percentage wise. His efficiency was not great. I think he was shooting absolute shit from three for the first month, but they were still winning games. And then all of a sudden they went back to reality. It, honestly, their strength of schedule was very weak at the beginning of the year. And then it, it obviously increased dramatically from then on. But that's just an excuse at this point because the team couldn't make buckets. I think this is a team that they're just destined to be. Uh, they're they're locked in with Gasol and Conley. I don't think that the franchise wants to move on from them because, like, well, that's our draw. Without them, where are we in the West? Because you're looking at teams like, I mean, even Phoenix has been at the top of the draft how many years, and they're still below us. Like, we can at least win games. There's some sense of respect. If they don't want to give up on Memphis, they're going to keep Gasol. They're going to keep Conley. I think Mm -hmm. the thing, too, that Memphis hasn't been able to do and like teams like Phoenix hasn't been able to do is obviously draft and keep consistency on this team and I think the Grizzlies are doing it too much to an extent of keeping consistency on a team and Phoenix hasn't done it you know done it enough I think um and you look at a team like Utah like again they have consistently moved down at the right points um I yeah. think that a team that might you know stick in that realm of not moving on quick enough might be Portland 
Uh, you look at Dame, you look at CJ. I don't know if they're ever going to move on at the right point from those guys. They moved on from LaMarcus, I think, from the right point. Yeah. Uh, just because that team needed a change. They needed a, to, to clean up a that little was a, bit. There was a leap of faith, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're talking about you had a great point guard and a great four on that team, and they were they were successful. They just knew what the cap was. They saw the line, and they're like, we're never going to get above this with this lineup. And I think that moving Gasol would be big, and I I think that it would just be needed just to get kind of relief from this. I think you could probably keep Conley because he's still playing well. He's still you know a, a fan favorite, and also he's a guy that I think he'll be easier to trade when it's an expiring deal. Um, I think because, he's even a guy who, even if he plays out, like he would re-sign on a cheaper deal. Like mm-hmm. that's why I was. I, but you're, you're he's going to be what, thirty-four at that point because right now I think he's thirty-one. Yeah. So he's going to be around 33, 34 around yeah. that deal. So I don't know if so you really get him on like a JJ, not not quite as cheap as JJ Bray deal, but you know a pretty cheap deal for someone of his talents. And if he if he mm-hmm. holds up, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I just I, I worry a little bit about that. You know, again, I mean, like, hey, it's not John Wall bad, but John Wall at that point is going to be thirty one. What Conley is now, uh, so we again like how healthy can he stay, John Wall, after he comes back from this current injury? Uh, Fifty million dollars healthy. You know, he's only 47. I'm sorry, $47 million so, healthy? I, I, I know. But I, I just think that, again, Memphis has never moved on. And I think that now is just the time to cut it, even There's if you're not getting that value back. Would Washington move John Wall? I was just thinking about that. No, I was thinking, <laughs> would they move him to Memphis? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh. I mean, who would you, you would take Conley for John Wall? I mean, they'd have to throw something else in there. <laughs> I, actually, I don't know Picks. which way that would be worse. Who, who has to throw in something more on that deal? John Wall's contract is terrible in the future, but at least he's still in his do prime. Like a couple, Mike do Conley like a will be 34 by the end and be only getting paid $34 million, The right? good thing is it doesn't matter because John Wall's hurt, so it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the Grizzlies would have to throw in picks because Conley's older. I think I think you're right. But he's cheaper. Yeah, but he's older. But like, he's cheaper. He might not. like. He that's the only bad 30. thing. of like He's 31 right now where he's yep. going to be 33, I think, at the end of that deal. He'll, he'll be 33 yeah. uh, at the end of his deal. But so, he's I mean, cheaper by like okay maybe like what seventeen? Well, it's million? it's like six. It's like <laughs> seventy million for Conley's like mm-hmm. remaining. I think uh, again, don't trust me because I don't know anything Mike about Conley has math. Thirty-two mil the following year, and then thirty-four point five. Yeah, John Wall's making one hundred and sixty-nine million next Ooh. year to for the next four years. Hmm. So that's pretty big difference. Yeah, the one that about I mean, a, about a hundred million difference. I would think that the Grizzlies would have to throw in some picks. Maybe, I disagree with maybe that. one of them's a pick swap, where it's like, "Hey, yeah, whatever." We'll think of it down the road. Um, <coughs> final thoughts on Memphis and, and Mike. I got one final trade to throw out. This Marcus is a Marcus oh, yeah, Gasol right. trade. Um, the yeah, Rockets like go ahead and get them. They give up Brandon Knight, PJ Tucker, Mello, and Gerald Green. Gives them wow. enough cap to free up for Gasol. Plus, they have to add Gerald Green because then they get rid of that, so they can bring in Fareed as well. And give Fareed. Well, no, that, I think they're getting you know, rid of Nunnally. Yeah, they are. To okay. bring in uh, Fareed. Um, then the, the, you can keep Green, and it's just oh, it's good Me- then it's just Mellow, PJ, and Brandon Knight for Gasol and maybe some picks in there. Now you're going to have Parsons and Mellow on the same team. Um, you got to add something, though, to that, because I don't think you're getting any value outside of... Well, for the Grizzlies, it's just... The Rockets. Brandon Knight's done after two years. Mellow is... Um, a million and a half that's yeah, off at the end of the year. Yeah. And then PJ Tucker's a guy where, yeah, it's seven point nine for three years, but like 
that's a lot smaller than oh, he's what a guy Marcus that you just, He's a guy that you just turn around and yeah. trade. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't value Houston's though, probably like, gonna have to, to, to help you out because I mean you're getting rid of the first and a second. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. getting rid of the face of your franchise, and you know you're just getting PJ Tucker. Yeah. So not yeah. You, I mean, you're there's going to be maybe. picks in there, but I mean, well, yeah. you got to you got to say these things out loud. Yeah, I said it first. All right, um, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, so that's our thoughts on the Mike Conley, Marcus Saul situation. But let's move into our final topic, and that is Kevin Porter Jr., the freshman from USC. He just got suspended indefinitely. Uh, USC coach Andy Enfield said that Kevin Porter Jr.'s suspension is indefinite. He also indicated that there's a chance Porter could have played his last game for the Trojans. He was suspended for conduct issues. We'll reevaluate his future with this program this week. Kevin Porter was not playing uh, for the Trojans. We talked about that. What was that? Mock draft time? I think mm-hmm. it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that two weeks ago. He hurt his foot. It was a thigh bruise. Thigh bruise. Um, we were like, well, he should be coming back now because like, he the was out for line, yeah. a, a, a while. Uh, only played about five games to start the year, then sat out two games, then played against Nevada for four minutes, then got hurt again. He did end up coming back on July, uh, January 10th, which I think it was like two days after we uh, recorded that podcast in the mock draft. Went 2-7 of seven from the field, 1-3 of three from three. Uh, had four rebounds, two assists, um, four personal fives, and five, five points. Was nothing great. Uh, and set out the next two games uh, for Oregon and UCL due to the suspension. So the first question is, how does this affect his draft stock? Um, obviously not a good look to get suspended indefinitely from your team. It's not entirely sure that he's kicked off the team yet. But, Ricky, what comes to your mind when you hear that Kevin Porter Jr. is suspended indefinitely? Well, the first thing I think of is... They're being very vague about it. Like, there are some where it's like the exact quote where he says conduct issues. There's some articles that say, um, like, they use the word, like, personal. And to me, I don't know exactly until I know exactly what went on. However, you can make assumptions without knowing exactly. And for me, this is one that it might not hurt a ton, but it'll hurt enough because I feel like in the range where he is – it was like him, Culver, Calvin Johnson that are all like packed together. You can either put like Darius Garland with his injury in there, DeAndre Hunter also. And now it might kind of push him to the bottom of that pack ever so slightly just because this goes boop and puts a question mark next mm-hmm. to him. Just a question mark because we don't know exactly what conduct issue means in this reason or in this context. Yeah, I mean like we could be like, Right now, coming out and being like, "Oh, he's just he's outside of the top ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to be a top ten draft pick." And we could just be coming out like he was playing video games too late or something like that. And he just wore like, the wrong shorts. USA to was not, yeah, like, or something like that. I doubt it's that petty, but like mm-hmm. it could be something very minor. We don't exactly know. Uh, Dave, what do you think though about his draft stock? Because my immediate reaction, I'll, I'll, I'll give my opinion first before we go to you. Mm-hmm. It was that he's, he's he's outside the top ten now. I wouldn't put him in the top ten because. The biggest thing to me is always what type of player are you and what type of person are you? Mm-hmm. How are you going to help your team? And I know you know basketball in some ways is an individual sport because if you have the best player, you have the most talented player, there's just an edge automatically. Yep. If you have Michael Jordan on your team, you have an edge because he's going to give you 38. He's going to put up. He's going to be that next the guy that takes it to the next level during competition. And if a guy's getting suspended, taking himself away from his team, 
where is his mind? Is his mind already on the NBA draft? Well, then that kind of brings up the idea of him being selfish. And then if he's being selfish, then how is that going to affect the team dynamic? We look at Kyrie Irving right now. Kyrie Irving's a fantastic player. He's struggling with being the guy, with being the leader. He's yeah. you know trying to say, I'm trying to become a better leader, and then also calling out his young teammates. Um, so he's still trying to find his way. And I think you know not showing that maturity, um, although it is very young, his kid's only you know 19 years old, is something that is at least detrimental to his draft stock to me right now. I yeah. don't know what it's going to be like in May, but right now it is detrimental. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree. The At the moment, with the information we have available, I would say he's somewhere between 7 and 10. Mm-hmm. I don't know I'm putting him outside of my top 10 yet because we don't have enough information, and I still think the potential demands top 10 pick you want to like, you want to know it's funny hmm. and i don't mean to cut you off i'm looking at an article here from is it the goodman one yeah Fuck do you, you have that then yeah you, then Fuck you do you. i was gonna bring up no go ahead go ahead basically there's three nba execs were yeah and the funny thing is one goes yeah he's lottery anyways uh even if he if he played more consistently this year could have been as high as top three yep. there's another that's like he's immature he's undisciplined in every way on and off the floor he's wild and then there's another that's like hey you know what People, this is just made on people dig more and more at him. He'll go five to 15, like yeah. three vastly different views of like hot, medium and cold when yep. it comes to it. No, I, and I understand why, because it, it there's so little information about him. So everything that comes out is instantly magnified. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of this will kind of work its way out during interviews, uh, working up to the NBA draft. And that's really where we're going to see his stock settle in. But I agree. The guys like Keldon Johnson, who is busting his ass out there, looking great. Had 28 great. points today. Yeah. He looks great. His, he's intense. He's got a ton of energy. He's good score. And his work ethic is there. Like Everything about him screams, this is a good guy for your team. Jarrett Culver. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Guy's an absolute two-way stud. Great potential. And yet, he, he's he's right fighting that range. Even this year, Little, working his way back, being more consistent with his playing mm-hmm. time. Uh, I, I just think that Kevin Porter's potential demands for me he stays top 10. Where in that top 10 is is depending on how much of a risk you want to take. I do think it will get cleared up by the time we hit the NBA draft. I think those interviews will shake out, you know, whatever it is. I think there's an issue with, like, they can't talk about it because he is a mm-hmm. college student and there, there are some details that have to be kept quiet. But I do believe that it's going to be asked. That's the first question will be, like, what happened? What happened and are you healthy now? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the two concerns. Everything else is gravy. Like, like, oh, yeah, you can ball out there if your workout looks good. Mm-hmm. If you act like a mature adult, awesome. If you act like a stupid kid, somebody will still take a chance on you because they think, mm-hmm. oh, I can make this work for us. I, I can put guys around him, build a support staff for him, and I can get the most out of him. Like, it's just, it's one of the things where college basketball, like you said, John, having the better player makes you or gives you the best chance to win like it doesn't matter how bad he is like you you attack jimmy butler all the time Mm -hmm. for his attitude you as well i mean Mm it's just one of those things where and rightfully so at times but he's worth having on team because he gives you a better chance to win so i think the immaturity of a michael porter jr not michael porter Jr. wow kevin Kevin porter jr Jr. yeah Uh, (laughs) not related not related uh is absolutely worth the risk as long as the story checks out because i guarantee you by the time the draft happened, or by the time those interviews happen, coaches have called USC and mm-hmm. are already asking. Scouts are already talking, mm-hmm. but nothing's going to become public. Yeah, my thing is with this is 
Like, you look at guys who have had those, like, personality issues, and it, they, it has worked in the NBA because they're talented. Mm-hmm. You look at uh, Metal World Peace, formerly known as Ron Artest. Good Lord. Uh, formerly yeah. known as, uh, what, was Panda? What was he? Uh, uh, yeah. World, Something World, Panda. World, yeah, like, Love Peace Panda. Uh, like, I mean, he's been able to work and be an NBA champion before. Uh, like, Dennis Rodman as well. Like, he, these guys have personalities, but when does it personalities to then detriment to the team? Because, right. like, you know, Ron Artest was in all regards, at least as a Laker, was loved as a teammate. The Panda's friend. Uh, the Panda's friend, thank pandas you. Friend. Uh, but Ron Artest as a teammate in Los Angeles was loved as a teammate. Uh, it was just, I you think know, it was loved everywhere. That, that's a funny thing. Like, you know, outside of, you know, when he went up and punched a fan, I'm sure well, those fans yeah, didn't Yeah, the Pistons didn't like him too I'm much. sure they didn't appreciate well, that. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Indiana had a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. no, um, I'm, I'm with you. But, like, my, my thing is, like, you've, you've seen guys who have been kind of seen as cancers in mm-hmm. some ways outside of a locker room be fine and be successful. It's just when it's an internal cancer and if it's going to be if, – if, if Kevin Porter is one. We don't know. And, and, and that's the question that is, is sticking out is can he be uh, an internal cancer? And I wasn't sold on him too much. If you look at our mock draft, uh, Dave, you had him the highest uh, going five to the Hawks. Ricky, you had him second highest going uh, six to the Wizards. I had him going nine to the Magic at Kevin Porter. Uh, <laughs> nine to the Magic. Uh, my thing, though, was with Kevin Porter is – I didn't see enough basketball skill from him. Mm-hmm. He's a fun player to watch. He's athletic, but I didn't see enough basketball skill. And this is kind of going back to the whole Dennis Smith thing, kind of just in a bigger guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never sold on him as a basketball player yet. And now I'm just less sold as a basketball player because, again, what are you going to be able to do as a leader? If you are going to be this guy that's a highlight player, a guy that's throwing down dunks, a guy that's scoring, putting up numbers – where does that fit in the NBA if you're not a guy that can be a number one scorer, if you're a guy that is just an athlete, and then you're also a problem in the locker room? That's the thing that, to me, there's three red flags mm-hmm. there that this kid, I haven't seen him be a number one scorer right. uh, so far. I haven't seen him be anything outside of an athlete, and I haven't seen him so far be a great teammate. I, there, there's, there's three red flags to me. I don't know where the selling points really are on Kevin Porter yet. And maybe you guys have seen them. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the selling well, points for Kevin Porter Jr. yet. The selling point for me, and even in that Goodman um, piece, one of the execs mentions the name. The saving grace for him through this, depending on what it is, if it's something petty, then whatever. Uh, forget what I say just here. The saving grace is the link to James Harden. Because... As long as people compare you to James Harden, people are going to think that's what you can become, and there's going to be an NBA team that goes, well, oh, James Harden? Let's my, take a shot my at thing this. Is though, a the Grizzlies at six. My, could. my thing is with, with this, though, is if it does great for him if he mm-hmm. goes six. Yeah. You're getting yeah. more money, congratulations. Doesn't mean you're going to pan out to shit. Oh, no, I know. So I'm that's, that's like, my thing is as a prospect, mm-hmm. yep. Sell me on Kevin Porter Jr. because I'm not sold by anything I've seen so far mm-hmm. from him out of USC. Sure. So he is a 6'6 with a 6'9 wingspan. He's creative with the ball in his hands. The thing that a lot of people want to knock him for is his shot from outside has not been consistent. He's got a good stroke mm-hmm. uh, when he's working with the ball in his hands. He usually can pull up to a step, like jab step. And obviously we know his mm-hmm. uh, step back shot is the reason why people compare him to James Harden mostly. But the thing for him that I would love to see is him to be able to facilitate more. I think a lot of that was being held in check by USC's system. I don't want to knock the coach uh, because it's college. And, and your job as a college coach is to win college games. It's mm-hmm. not to showcase yeah. 
players. You're not John yeah. Calipari out there trying to sell people on the whole, like, <laughs> come sign with my team I'll and get I'll you get the you the NBA. NBA. Like, that's not his job at USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he is is someone who can create offensively and who can continue ball movement for the team. He's not necessarily the best facilitator, but like I said, I think he has all the capability to be a decent one. I think James Harden level would be high. You mm-hmm. have to be high to think that he could have average more than five assists a game. But I do think that he could have three. You know, it, it's he he's a reasonable passer. Mm-hmm. But the thing for me is just it's the offensive creativity. It's the fact that he can go get you a bucket if you need a bucket. And that will always have value in the NBA. A lot of people devalue just, oh, well, he's a scorer. No, he can, he is a creator on offense. And if you get him in the right team, I think that absolutely he can translate the next level. I'm concerned if he goes to the wrong team yeah, and they try to well, use him like Ricky's saying. Well, here, mm-hmm. what, what's the right team then? For him, is there a team out there that you can see in the top ten that would be the right team for him? And let's real quick just go back to when James Harden was drafted, two thousand nine, and let's compare a little bit of the stats. Mm-hmm. I'll compare. I'll be nice. I'll compare the freshman stats, right? Uh, from whatever little games we've had from Kevin Porter Jr. From what we had from James Harden. James Harden played thirty four games uh, in his uh, college career in his freshman year. Shot fifty two percent from the field on ten attempts per game. Shot forty percent from three on three point two attempts per game. Went to the line six point six times. Shot seven. from the line, got 5.3 boards, 3.2 assists, 2.1 steals, 0.6 blocks, and then about 2.6 turnovers. With Kevin Porter, 50% from the field, so that's a little bit close to uh, Harden's 52. 34% from three, that's on three attempts per game, so the attempts are around uh, the same. Harden was a little bit better of a three-point shooter. And then from the line, uh, Kevin Porter, much worse from the line, uh, only going two times a game compared to Harden's six. Mm -hmm. And... Kevin Porter uh, shooting 53% from the uh, from the line, uh, 3.4 rebounds compared to Harden's about five, uh, 1.7 assists. Dave, you brought up the uh, wanting to see the facilitation uh, less than Harden, and then turnovers uh, very closer. The assist to turnover ratio worse for Kevin Porter compared to James Harden. Mm-hmm. So James Harden was a better college player. He did end up staying another year, becoming the Pac-10 Player of the Year, and then going third uh, yeah. behind Hashim Tabit of all people. And Blake Griffin, uh, and then behind him, uh, Tyreek Evans, Ricky Rubio, Johnny Flynn, and then some bum named Steph. Um, so again, Two point guards, not I, Steph Curry. I, well, and, and we kind of see in Sorry, that draft wolves. too, like uh, you see Tyreek going to uh, the Kings. Really wasn't the best fit uh, after his rookie season because <laughs> yeah. went twenty five and five and five uh, was fantastic that rookie season, but was never able to turn it into anything. Rubio was not the best fit in, in Minnesota; just did not pan out. Um, he took. Too long to develop, and people beat him up there. Johnny Flynn just was not an NBA-level talent. Anyway, well, he got that, hurt. He got hurt, but also wasn't great. Yeah. Um, and then Steph clearly was the right fit. So there are right fits. So yeah. what's the right fit for him? I think that if he goes, honestly, five through seven, one of those teams, Atlanta, I love their young core. Mm-hmm. I think that he is an instant addition. The question is, if you, you know, how much do you believe in Herder being a starting two mm-hmm. or three in the NBA because I think that Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, would probably take that spot from him if he can pan out. Herter's shot is amazing, though, right now, so I'm like, I want to lean on the the Splash Bros light. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orlando, great fit. As long as they're confident, they can go get themselves a point guard in free agency. You know me, my rule with Orlando is go get a point guard in the draft, though. Yeah. So I would be very hard-pressed. They were the Trey Young team last year. I would be very hard-pressed if Garland and Morant are still available if they mm-hmm. went with anyone other than those two. Mm. Uh, Especially if Morant's available. Yeah. I think, I think Memphis TV. is the wrong team. Really? I'm, I'm, I think that the only thing that's good yeah. about Memphis yep. is that he can kind of, like, we talked about in the last segment, Spotlight's not going to be on you. It's not a huge market. 
I you think can that's be a bad there thing, with Jaron Jackson and just develop and not have any pressure. I think kind of not having that, um, what's it called? They're not um, my number one best fit, but I don't think they're absolutely I think horrible. not having the spotlight on them mm-hmm. kind of takes away responsibility. It kind mm-hmm. of takes away, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um it, like he he just wouldn't he wouldn't be held accountable mm-hmm. for things is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like you're you're playing in Memphis, the media is not consistently on you. They're not mm-hmm. consistently watching you. Uh, you know you you can take plays off. No one's gonna like bash a Depends. Memphis rookie. Some people if you start work, playing well, like Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson mm-hmm. Jr., then you're gonna be seen. But when Jaron Jackson Jr. is falling out, you know every other game, like we're not really bashing the kid. We just see see when he's playing good. Exactly. I think you need to have accountability. Mm-hmm. So I think being in a, you know in Atlanta, Orlando, and Memphis, I, I'm not really high on those places because you're not having that accountability. There's like, one place that's worse in the top 10 than Memphis. What's that? Washington. I would hate for him to go to Washington. Stay away from the John Wall, Bradley Beal, like Scott Brooks drama that is going on in Washington. Also, they just took, horrible. you know, a, a, a garden, Troy Brown, yeah, who they I mean, have don't play. refused to play uh, because they say he's not good enough. You know who I would really like for him? Then mm. this is if he fell. Detroit. I think Detroit working with mm. Dwayne Casey could be a good fit. And the thing that I look at, the only other negative that I would say that Dave didn't is his three point percentage. I know it's only seven games that he played in college, isn't exactly where you would like it. But Dwayne Casey's a guy where, when he was in Toronto last year, his star player in Demar Derozan didn't really shoot lights out from three, so he doesn't need a knockdown three point shooter at the two. Because he had Demar Derozan and Ky- like Kyle Lowry was almost at forty percent, but like pretty good. Demar Derozan was like diddly poo. Demar Derozan, another USC kid. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. But Demar Derozan have problems that I know. Important. I just I just like saying is because you know. Here's the team that I think would be the best spot for him because I think he's outside of the top ten. Mm-hmm. So I think you you're going to push him back right, right. off. Well, because you I had him so. at nine, so that makes yeah, sense. that's yeah, fair. And then you, yeah. you drop him. Yep. I think there are the perfect teams for him at 11, 12, 13, and fourteen. Boston would be the best fit for him Mm -hmm. because you're having Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, and it's not a massive – it's a big market, but it's not a massive market. Hold on. I know you're bringing up the Kyrie stuff. Just wait. I I was Uh, just going to say, where's his playing time going to come from? Well – You got Jalen Brown in front of him, and in front of him you got Marcus Smart. But here's the thing that I would say with that is make him work for it if he's coming off of a suspension like that. Jalen had to work for his minutes, and he got gifted some minutes because of injuries. Jason – uh, had to work for his minutes and got gifted because of some injuries. I think you need to have him work for something because if he's just gifted, you because know, on USC, I mean, he's going to get the ball anyways because he's the best damn player on the team. Uh, what, what was he working for? What was he striving for? You need to put something back into his work ethics. You know, give him a difficulty and see how he's going to react to it because Boston can take a shot on that. Mm-hmm. They know, can. I yeah. mean, what, what is Boston going to lose on missing out on a draft pick? They're still going to be a top team in the Eastern Conference. I think that would be the best fit for him because it's not an L.A. where it's going to be crazy nightlife left and right. We don't know what the personal conduct was for it, so that might be too much of a cocktail and mm. too much of a mix there. So I'm, I'm a little iffy about L.A. Interesting. Um, but Boston, I think, is a nice mix of not too crazy of a, a town, still popular. Uh, and then you have those veterans on the team that you know he might look up to, might look up to a Kyrie. Uh, you know, can sh- learn some offensive games from uh, Kyrie, and Kyrie's finally becoming a leader. Uh, damn, you know, he might lead Kevin Porter to the promised land. Uh, but also, he's seen Jalen Brown's rise, another Pac-12 uh, uh, kid. He's seen Jason Tatum's rise. I think that would be huge as well. 
Um, Minnesota, I think, would be an interesting team if you got the right coach because you're kind of away from that life. But Minnesota still does have a spotlight on them because of Wiggins, because of Cat. Uh, they're consistently going to be viewed. Those guys taking this next step, that's going to be big as well. New Orleans would be interesting, too, because of AD. If AD stays, mm-hmm. Drew's there. I think Alvin Gentry's a good enough coach to keep his mind there. They finally have a young player to revitalize that team. I think it'd be interesting there. The second team that I like, though, it would be the Clippers because you have Jerry West, you have Doc Rivers, mm-hmm. you have a ton of veterans on that team. And I know they just drafted Jerome Robinson, but he is not playing. Yeah, wh- so, what's the deal with that? He's not good. He's not good. He's not good. The, they, the they pick missed. that everyone was really surprised to see. We're like, oh, that, that seems a little high. Mm-hmm. A little high. We all had him going to the twenties. I'm proud of I'm proud of us guys. Yeah. We, we were smart. Uh my thing though is with with that is like if he's that talented, he can up you know, assert upsurp. Uh, usurp. Jerome Rob- usurp, whatever. Uh, he could he could surp he could <laughs> he jump. Could he could surp up all those jumps. <laughs> Jerome Robinson. Uh, and he he has two veteran coaches and, yeah. and veteran, you know, big names at Doc Rivers and Jerry Jerry West to kind of give him stay in line. Uh, so I think that would be at least the two best fits in my Atlanta's mind. Atlanta's got two LSA. picks in the top ten. You mm-hmm. not see them taking a shot with one of those? Here's the that's thing, what, that's No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. That's where I see him You're going. Just, okay. I'm saying best fits. Okay. Thing about that though, and why I like your Boston one. Right now, the Grizzlies are a game and a half away from giving their pick back to Boston. If Boston's at nine. Because the Grizzly pick would be in Boston. Yeah. That's one where I'm like, ooh, Boston could take him at nine, and that could be a good fit. <laughs> do you think him. the Grizzlies are going to win games? No, no, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> not, Sorry, they're not going to win games. We just spent but the entire segment they could win enough, the They could win enough games to be higher in the, well, lower in the draft than Dallas and Washington. And the games back are, they're close <laughs> enough. Like, Dallas is going to lose, Washington's going to lose, Memphis is going to lose. Here's my other it's thing. It's just where they finish up in the end. If Boston takes them, mm-hmm. I just want to point you guys to one of their guards. Mm-hmm. I was Googling uh, player NBA players who were suspended college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't find anything. Mm. <laughs> but the last guy I remember yes. who's still in the NBA that did right. have suspension issues was Marcus Smart. Because mm-hmm. he punched a Texas Tech fan. Yep. Apparently called him a racial slur. Yeah. Got suspended. That. Um, that was after a big shot uh-huh. that uh, he hit uh, against Memphis, I believe. Um, and so far, Marcus Smart has been fine. Now, I don't know if that was just a one time thing. <laughs> I mean, he's that was personally known thing, as one of the dirtiest players in the NBA, but hasn't gotten suspended. So, I mean, that could be a spot for him to learn from Marcus Smart to be this is how you can get away from being dirty, but not get suspended. But mm. also, personal conduct, we don't know exactly what that means. What are you guys doing? <laughs> doing what are you doing? doing? <laughs> well, you, lean, for you leaned forward, then this Dave leaned forward with two. I'm like, I got to lean forward with two fingers. Like this is the house. <laughs> All right. I uh, also looked up the drone uh, Robinson thing. Yeah. You had him at 48, Sean. <laughs> Wait, what? I, no. Yeah. Jerome Robinson? Jerome Robinson. I had him at 48. You had him at 48th overall. Wow. I had him at 49th overall, <laughs> our and last... Dave had him at 59th overall. <laughs> <laughs> our, last, our last mock. The 6.0s. The 7.0 was live. I don't count that. No, no. Where are we having live? Where are we having live? Because that was... That was the most recent one. Nobody least. took him. In the first round. In the first round. Nobody. Where, where do we have him at the five? Because I put him in one of them. <gasps> Oh, yeah, you put him in your 6.0. No, I swear to God, I put him in the 5. You didn't have him in the 5. None of us had him in the 5. Because the 5 was just the lottery. See? You didn't. We Clearly, the brain trust here. Yeah, right. we had him second rounder. Dave had him 
59th. I was right. Who do you have him going before? Who Who's 60? Who is Mr. Irrelevant? Justin Jackson out of Maryland. Oh, okay. Who was he on? Guess who what was... Team, what, team, what team's Justin Jackson on now? Well, guess who what? What? You said guess who, and then you stopped. Oh, no. I, I also answer. had three politicians drafted. <laughs> or yeah. two politicians. He's and on the one. Kings. I thought he was on the yeah. Kings, but... I, no, it's... That's the other Justin that's Jackson. UNC Justin Jackson. Oh, that's UNC yeah. Justin There's Jackson. double Justin Jackson. The, the Maryland one's in the G League. He was injured. Okay. Um, yeah, G League. I had two politicians drafted in that second the round, Lincoln as Magic. well as a, a 1990... One was female. Uh-huh. Uh, and then one player from like the 90s or 80s. I think it was like the 70s. It might been, you're right. It might have been 70s. Um, anyways, I think that's where we can get to leave the <laughs> Kevin Porter stuff. I think it's going to fall just because... Mm-hmm. What, what does personal conduct mean? And I haven't seen enough of him from as a basketball player to take him that high. He's an athlete, so he's going to go lottery. But I'm, I'm concerned about yeah, what you're I'm back here. half lottery. You're pretty locked. Yeah. You don't think that he'll creep back up again uh, during workouts? And... For other people, yeah. Okay. For me, no. Okay. Unless unless I see something that is like what like what we're con- here the workout. If we hear the like true... hit 97 out of 100 threes for the Boston no. Celtics. If we hear the true story <laughs> from him, and oh, we hear okay. the true, true story from other sources, yeah, um, and it's not bad. Then I'll if it's like he got in an argument with a teammate or a coach or something. Yeah, like... if it was like a heat of the moment mm-hmm. thing, I think that's fine. Yeah. You want to know who you had at fifty nine? Huh. Svi Mikhailuk. Dude is a baller. <laughs> you had at fifty. He's a shot caller. <laughs> a I think he even called that in the, the live second round mock that that guy was gonna ball the fuck out. Oh man. Svi mm-hmm. Mikhailuk's a badass. <laughs> Love that guy. Uh, shout out to the ringer for putting Jerome Robinson at thirteen. Uh, in their <laughs> fucking mock draft. Uh, love those guys, though. Shout out to KOC. <laughs> shout out to Sharks. And uh, shout out to Janie Chow. Uh, great people. It was Janie Chow. Was it Janie Chow? We don't know great year, people. Don't we don't know them. I can say we, great people. We wish we knew them. <laughs> but also, they wish they had our mock drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, oh. let us know uh, your thoughts down in the comments <laughs> down below. Are we certain ringer beef? No, because we're too small. Uh, let us know down in the that's comments below. That's how you get below. big, Sean. I say, that's how you big beef with Come at KOC. We're like Wendy's. We got, or no, we're like Arby's. We got the beef. Hang <laughs> me on desktop, uh, uh, Concepcion. Let's go. I'll bring the spice. Uh, Ricky will bring something. Soup. Pers- I'll wear a JR jersey and I'll bring the soup. <laughs> <laughs> I just have your thoughts on Kevin Porter down in the comments below. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast full through iTunes or Block Talk Radio or Stitcher, we appreciate you very much. Uh, if you are on iTunes, don't forget to rate us five stars. We greatly appreciate that. Also, check us out on patreon.com slash Podcast. If you want to be on a podcast, if you want to throw shots at the ringer on a podcast, uh, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, Twitter, go to twitter.com slash Podcast. Go to youtube.com slash Podcast real yep, yep. to sub. Uh, and that's about it. You can also buy t-shirts at mostvaluablepodcast.com and then go to our shop. That's going to do it. We're going to go watch uh, some MMA uh, and eat some P-I-Z-Z-A. Uh, Some Zaz. That's going to, no. No. Uh, That's going to do it for (laughs) us uh, here on the Fast Break Podcast. For Dave, for Ricky, I'm Sean. Uh, Shout out to the ringer. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.